guys, we don't have a lot of money, so we're not going to get that many flyers. So we got to place them very strategically, all right? We got to place them really, really strategically. Next. Oh, look at you guys. You're a band, huh? That's real exciting. Making flyers, huh? So you can get big and famous. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'd like to make some flyers. Wait, what's your band called? Hey, we're called this. Uh... I never heard of them! Surprise! That's why we am getting flyers, so people's what's knows what who we are. Then you're gonna be a big rock and roll star, huh? Wowie! Another band! If I wasn't so lethargic from hunger, I'd, uh, kick your ass and make copies of it here. Copy. That's my stomach, making that sound. What's up everybody and welcome to Anime Baby, where you are the sun, you are the star, to me forever. This is your host, Made to Hit in America, Mikey, and joining me as always is... The Head Roller, the Roller Coaster, your co-host, Ryan. And welcome back to Summer of Music! Oh yeah, last time we kicked things off with our opening act show by rock, but now we're getting into the heavy hitters, the real beef of the summer, as... On this episode, we're covering an oldie, but a goodie, as making their way to the stage is Beck, Mongolian Chop Squad. Oh, yeah. Beck, 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 Beck. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to check this one out for a long time. <laughs> right. And we're not talking about that kind of Beck. No, but... not, uh, you know, Futurama guest star Beck. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, ta- we're talking about the OG anime rock band. Oh, yeah, baby. Beck, or as they're known in the U.S., Mongolian Chop Squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but uh, as always, let's get things going with a little bit of the background, as Beck is based on a manga of the same name written by Harold Sakuishi. It ran from November 1999 till April 2008 and was published by Kodansha in Monthly Shonen Magazine and had a grand total of 103 chapters and 34 volumes. And can I just say, that's a good run. That's very respectable. And monthly releases, too. I know. From music series, too. Like, holy crap. I always wonder, like, how good music manga would do because it's a very, like, you know... Right, because visual medium. Right, you're using the visual medium to port, like portray music. Like stuff. with K-On, it's more like it works because it's like a four-panel gag manga. It doesn't really focus much on the music. Right, right, exactly. Like that's 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 that is really difficult to do. Yeah, I like, mean, I've seen so just from my experience in like comics alone, 
I've seen it done in like some areas where like uh, there's um, there's one graphic there's one graphic novel uh, I quite like uh, that's actually an adaption of a Salvador D Salvador Dali screenplay that was meant for the Marx Brothers Ooh. and um, like some guy who was really into like the Marx Brothers uh, got around to got around with like a Spanish artist to put together uh, this I think I think Tim Heidecker also had <laughs> a hand in like helping to produce it as well but they put together this graphic novel uh, adaption of the Dali screenplay of this Marx Brothers film and not only that they also hired a band to write all the music. They're, all the music is in the actual graphic novel. Like the lyrics are written down? Lyrics are all written down. Oh, wow. And it all had like an entire soundtrack to accompany it. <laughs> the soundtrack even has an intermission, and the intermission isn't even in the graphic novel. <laughs> and like nobody knows about it. Oh, wow. Yes, it's, it's, yes, Giraffes on Horseback Salad. Yes, it's an entire soundtrack. Quite professionally well made. Like, some of the music actually does, a lot of the music in that, like, soundtrack does actually feel like it could be straight out of a, like, a classic Marx Brothers film. Oh, wow, like a duck soup kind of thing? Yeah, like a duck soup kind of thing. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> I want to check this with, out. With, with, a, with quite a few songs, too, that have the, uh, the natural flavor of the, uh, the, the band that was making it as well. But yeah, I, I highly recommend that. Like, but that's like that's an experience where like you're supposed to like you're you're kind of encouraged to listen to those soundtracks as you're reading the the graphic novel. Like get some headphones on and then crack it open and then read it. Right, right. Or uh, you get it over to something like uh, uh, the Galacticon adaption from uh, Brendan Small. That was uh, written by Brendan Small and also co-written by uh, the uh, Eric Powell, the uh, creator of the Goon comic series. Mm. And uh, that one like takes a totally different approach, where like the entire comic looks like looks and reads like something uh, really ridiculous that would appear in Heavy Metal magazine, <laughs> <laughs> and makes passing references here and there to uh, the songs from uh, the album Galacticon. But like, there's there's no actual like like listed lyrics or anything, or it's like it's it's also ridiculous in a way that like doesn't feel as awesome as the uh, album. Uh, it still it still looks like a really fun comic, like real like really weird in parts and like goofy, but like still like feels like very in line with um, uh, Brennan Small as a creator and you know even the album and stuff. But like it it is a bit of a far cry from like. Uh, the way th how the album makes you feel when you listen to it, <laughs> I will admit. So like whenever whenever it comes to that album, I have what I have what I have what's in my mind when I listen to that album. But then there's also like the adaption, <laughs> the, com the comic adaption, which is totally different, a totally different experience, but still faithful. But yeah, that one like doesn't really. But yeah, the comic doesn't invoke the the feelings of the songs as much. Just like. More like adapting, like kind of sort of like a the, the story in like a very like loose manner. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat loose manner actually, but still following the story of it, like mm -hmm. overall at least. But yeah, so it's so yeah. My point is that it's hard to convey the experience of music in the written and graphic form. Yeah, like I can also think of another example, like uh, one that we talked about when we covered My Hero Academia season four, the entire school festival music performance scene. Well, like in the manga, it's like. Yeah, this looks fun, but it's like you kind of need to have like to hear the actual song and see it like actually happening to that really one's get that it. one's very different though because that's a very like visually dynamic performance, mm -hmm. and I think Horikoshi did a and I think Horikoshi did a fine job drawing that in the comic, but you still feel like you're missing you're missing something unless you actually see it on screen. Yeah, like there's there's not even lyrics to the song in the manga itself either. So 
Right, so that's something the production had to like, like whip to, up, whip up for themselves. They had to write a song for this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Beck is a is another beast altogether, really. Yeah, and uh, this series actually came from uh, Sakuishi's love of music. In particular, he's a big fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really, he's a big fan of music. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have known from Who from the series. <laughs> but yeah, being a fan of the Chili Peppers, like looking at the style of music in there, it's like. Oh yeah, he's obviously a fan of these guys. This guy is such a big music nerd. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not just the. Yeah, it's not even just like the the Chili Peppers or anything. It's like just like he, he's got. He's he has a wide range of tastes. And like even <laughs> and he really knows how to like weave those interests into like the interests of his characters. Well, like, it makes them all feel so much more believable. Like uh, in the manga, in fact, uh, he op- would often like draw in famous musicians in like crowd shots too. So like, you know, they're having a concert and just all of a sudden like, oh my god, it's John Lennon. Oh my god, it's Sid Vicious. <laughs> oh my god, it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh wait, hold on, what's he doing here? <laughs> so yeah, the, the guy really does, when it comes to uh, music, especially rock music, the guy really knows his stuff. Yeah, and, like, uh, the series was very popular, even winning a uh, Kodansha Manga Award in 2002. So the manga was actually licensed in uh, North America by Tokyopop starting in July 2005 and discontinued after 12 volumes in 2008. Considering it's Tokyopop, you can probably imagine why. Uh... And I can also assume that the release probably wasn't really great. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, it probably flipped the entire images, too, and it probably, like, blew everything up so it looks terrible and has, like, a probably weak adaptation, too. Oh, Tokyo Pop, you stupid, stupid company. Please, please change. Please change, or just just leave. <laughs> it wouldn't be until July 2018 where it would get a second chance here in the States, being licensed by Comixology, where they would release the series digitally to this day. God, you're seeing that with like a lot of stuff now, with manga, with like manga in particular. A lot of stuff finally seeing a release over in the U.S. Yeah, like, for example, like, I finally now have a manga version of March Comes In Like a Lion coming up soon. You can finally legally read, like, every, like, a lot of, like, JoJo now. Oh, yeah, like, on the Shonen app. Actually, you can now legally read half of JoJo. <laughs> At least up to part four. We're get, I, Half? That's still something. That's still something. <laughs> still wait. I, I guess I guess Hajime no Ippo can still eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that I care. I don't nah. care about that series. <laughs> nah. but, like, there's a lot of, like, that. that has famously been, like... Not released in the U.S. for years now. Based on the fact that it doesn't ha- doesn't even have like an official translated title. I know, right? So dis- so sad. So eventually, the series would receive an anime adaptation beginning in October 2004 and ran until March 2005, thus making this officially the oldest anime we've covered on the podcast. Yeah, very old, and like that's that's saying something because there's a lot of old stuff I kind of I, I would love to like for us to like review for the podcast. Definitely stuff from like say the 90s. Mm-hmm. Cause like, cause a lot of those classics, I've still many of those classics, I still have not watched. No, there's no. quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, oh four and oh five. Can you imagine like what we were like in that time? We we were we were practically ankle biters. Yeah, <laughs> elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth and fifth grade. Oh yeah, just uh, this idea of doing a podcast almost like what. 15 years later wasn't even a thing. Like, podcasts weren't even a thing back then. I know. Uh, yeah, my old elementary, my old, like, fifth grade teacher would have never, like, expected, like, where I'd have, where I'd have ended up here now. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the series was produced by the legendary Studio Madhouse and directed by the equally legendary late great Osamu Kobayashi. Osamu Kobayashi, born January 10th, 1964, was an animator, illustrator, and director who got to start doing uh, art design on such projects as uh, the Venus Wars movie, the game Grandia, and Blue Submarine Number 6. 
he would then get his chance to direct, as he would do uh, avant-garde shorts and uh, music videos for Studio 4C. Those were uh, Table and Fishman and End of the World. And eventually, he would get his chance to direct a full-length series, and that would be Beck. So this is actually his big anime TV series directorial debut here. And also, uh, immediately after finishing Beck, he would direct uh, Paradise Kiss, which is another show that I would really like to check out one day. I know, that's, an that's another big one that like I've heard like nothing but good things about, but like I've seen... <laughs> So little circulation of. <laughs> All I really know about Paradise Kiss, other than uh, Kobayashi's animation style, is the fact that the end credits uses a Franz Ferdinand song. <laughs> the, well, do you, do you, do you wanna, wanna go? I actually kind of love that because, like, the, like it's it's more it's it's more off-putting and more fun whenever like an anime ends off with like like, a song, like, that's, like, completely, like, out of reach of, like, the country and stuff. Yeah, I like, jo like, many JoJo endings. That's why, I that's why I love JoJo endings, like, the most, because <laughs> it's like, wow, you actually spring to get Walk Like an Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> or Roundabout, or, uh, Jodeshi's, uh, Freaking You. I know, right? Like, that's, I love that kind of effort. <laughs> and it's such a, it, yeah, and it makes for such a weird, surreal experience every time I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but uh, you may actually know uh, Kobayashi from some other works, such as Episode 4 of Gurren Lagann, the one that introduced the Black Siblings, and also one that stood out animation-wise from the rest of the show. Yeah, and also, like, one episode of Panty and Stocking. Like, it's it's worth noting that this guy in particular has a very distinct style. Yeah. That um doesn't exactly gel well with other series. Yeah, like... Or with, makes for a very mixed experience. Like, with the Panty and Stocking episode, that's the one that's very, like, hyper-realistic and everything, and just, like, very slow. Like, you don't even see the Anarchy Sisters until, like, the very end, too. Right, right. And even the Gurren Lagann episode has such a, like, weird, different pace compared to other episodes. Yeah, like, I remember the first time I watched that, I was just all like, oh, ooh, whoa, this is pretty weird. I still feel like he has fun when making those. Oh, yeah, it looked fun, too. Like, like he, like, he, like, I still feel like he actually had, like, a good time making those episodes, but he's, he's not a universal fit for, for, like, many series. Yeah, like, at least for the Gurren Lagann episode, like, I can tell he really had fun at least, like, animating, you know, Keaton and the Black Sisters. Like, he kind of really got their personalities over with the animation and the way they were kind of moving very snappy-like and also the uh, camera cuts and direction. But then you move on and watch the rest of the series and you look back like, hey, what was with that episode? That was a weird outlier episode. <laughs> right, you still have that experience after, like, you watch the, after you watch, like, uh, those, like, single episodes he's worked on. Uh, it's it's very different with uh, like Beck though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this feels so much more natural. This is definitely in his wheelhouse. This, absolutely. Yeah. This is this is his forte here. And Kobayashi, he would continue to work in the animation industry and uh, working as like an episode director, storyboarder, key animator, animation director until unfortunately he passed away in April seventeenth, twenty twenty one, after battling kidney cancer. Oh, God, not fair. Yeah, his uh, last work was directing episode 11 of a series called uh, Rinshi Ekudachan, which came out in 2019. Man, that that guy that guy has, had so much left in him. Taken, yeah. Taken way too soon. Mm-hmm. And just like, like, I already planned to do Beck for this summer, but just hearing that news just made me like, I really want to go into this, like, really, really looking deep into this and really appreciating the work that he put to. With his first directorial work, and like, what an impressive work this is. I know, like an instant classic. I would say from moment one, you can tell, like, this is good. Absolutely. And uh, I would say the uh, dub also serves that well, because the dub itself is also a classic, in my opinion. Definitely. Ooh, let's talk about that for a bit. 
As uh, at Anime Boston 2006, it was announced that Funimation had licensed Beck with a full dub that would begin releasing in 2007. Oh man, remember back in the days where like a series would come out and then a few years later, then it would get licensed into a dub. You know, nowadays it would be like series gets licensed, okay, dub two weeks after it starts. Right, right. Like a really weird time, but kind of like one that makes you go like, huh, we've really come a long way. We really have. I mean, I I, I remember like going back. Um, like I think I think the first time I ever, I ever actually heard about Beck itself was um, was uh, from uh, Jacob Chapman uh, back when um, uh, back when he was known as Ezotaku and uh, and did his uh, review of Beck. Actually, oh, yeah, that right. was when I first learned about Beck. And ever since then, it is always like stuck in my mind as this uh, very uni- as this very unique looking and very uh, special music anime. That uh, has a special place in, you know, anime history and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it stuck around with me for many years, you know. And, like, it's like, I just never got around to it, you know. Just never got around to it. I, had, I always kept putting it off. But then, luckily, <laughs> this summer came. It's the summer of music. And um, I'm I'm more than happy that we finally got to it. Definitely. And, like, uh, kind of similar to me, too. Like, I do remember watching Jacob's review back in the day. Though, that wasn't the first time I ever heard of Beck. I remember distinctly the first time I ever heard of Beck it was, uh, at, uh, it was at, like, an anime detour. We were, like, waiting in line for something with a bunch of friends. And then, uh, one of our friends found out that I was big into K-On! And they were all like, K-On! sucks, Beck is much better. And we kind of got into a bit of a debate <laughs> during that time. But you hadn't actually watched but it But I yet. hadn't actually watched it at the time. <laughs> I was trying to, like, put over K-On! going on, like, I'm sure Beck is great, but come on, K-On! It's very nice, it's very wholesome, and, like, very pretty to look at, you know? So it's j- very good, too. So just to settle that now, what now what is your opinion? Oh, God. I would say they... I would have to watch both at least a few more times, but, like, I would say initial gut reaction, it's, like, they both kind of fill me with kind of that sense of, like, joy while watching both of it. I just feel good while watching both of these series, just the kind of the warm and fuzzies as soon as they start, each episode starts, you know? Mm. Yeah, like, I, I I can understand that. Like, Beck did, did instill me with a lot of those feelings as well. And, uh, and, and kudos to the, and, and again, back on, like, the dub, like, kudos to them as well. Because, like, they they did such a fantastic job dubbing this. Like, I still yeah. think, I as I said before, this one I do think is, like, a classic. Definitely. And, uh, oh, fun fact about the, the release of this here in North America. It actually made its debut on the uh, Canadian music channel called Much Music on March 9th, 2007, and ran until that June. <laughs> Much Music, which is basically uh, Canadian MTV. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there'd be a lot less uh, censored swearing as there yeah. would as there would clearly be in the in a for a U.S. release. Yeah, they were probably like uh, I think it was uh, TV fourteen in when it was broadcasting on TV. Oh, nice! So either a lot of bleeps or a lot of re-recording. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that, but yeah, <laughs> it's one of those. Mm-hmm. And the dub was directed by the team of Talison Jaffe and Christopher Bevins, with scripts by John Bergmeier, Mike McFarland, Sean Michael Teague, and Spencer Prokop. So with all that out of the way. We're rocking out with Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. So without further ado, let's start the show.
First things first, the opening and the ending. Opening is Hit in the USA by Beat Crusaders. Ending is My World Down by Maester. These songs are pretty great. Oh my god, like, isn't this such a great intro? <laughs> Just, and like, I love that how it kicks up, like, the opening immediately starts the show. There's no cold opening, there's nothing like that. Just as soon as you, like, press play while watching it, you just hear... God, it is such a banger. It is. Like, honestly, it's one of those where, like, I can't skip it. Like, there's no... I, I have to watch it every single time. It's that good. <laughs> uh, just just like those guitar riffs on there, and, it, like, just, like, the, the imagery, you know, that, just, like, in, that just invokes, like, a rock band tour. And just, like, you know, the lyrics, uh, I was made to hit in America. I was made to hit in America. And I just love the shot during the chorus where it cuts to, like, our main cast, and they're, like, singing it, like, perfectly. They're, they're actually mouthing along to the lyrics. Like, smooth as hell animation right there. Yes! Oh. And there's one shot in particular that I really love that just, it really amps up the warm and fuzzies, where it goes, uh, You are the sun, you are the star, to me forever. And it's like, they're standing at the airport as a plane is taken off while they're singing it, and I'm just like, that's such a cool shot. Well, cause it's a music, it's a music series. Like you gotta kick off with like an absolute like hit, Just, something that the band would actually play. Like it looks like a music video. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, you get like visuals that get over the uh, personalities of each of the band members as well, and some Definitely. of the side characters. Like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> like, honestly, I kind of want to go as far as to say this is probably the best opening to any anime we've covered on this on this podcast. <laughs> It is actually one of the best. It be it beats out many others. It beats out like I'm pretty sure the last time I said that it was a B stars opening. I'm just like this is kind of giving it a run for its money, mm, right? <laughs> <laughs> like future anime we cover on the show, you gotta you got a lot of measure up to with the. With I, the I I think I would have to seriously look back at like all the other ones, but like yeah, like B stars opening and like Beck, like they're certainly up there. I don't know mm. which I don't I couldn't say for sure which Some one. Some of the other My Hero openings. Like, I, I don't know, like, the My Hero openings are good, but, like, none of them compare to Beck right here, in my opinion. No, no, like, this is, this is the big dog right here. Yes, this is how you introduce not just an anime, but a music anime. This, this is how you do it. And the ending, too, just kind of, like, that very grungy feel to it. Yes, yes, as, like, as, like, you know, they've got, like, all the slides, the, like, musicians and stuff. Mm -hmm. That one's all, that one's also really effective. That is, and just, like, as soon as the episode ends, I'm just all, like, I just feel like I want to just bang my head to it, I'm just like, yeah... That is one thing I, I, I will say about the series to, like, kick things off, is that, like, this this feel, like, giving credit to uh, the, uh, the the writer, the, the creator of the original manga, uh, he, he really understood just, like, just, like, visually and, like, vibe-wise, like, how to write a series about, like, it's it's not just about, like, music. It's not just about that. It's also about, like, the subculture surrounding it. Yeah, like... And I think that's what elevates immediately Beck higher than many others. Because K-On! K-On! It's, like... I get the impression that, like, Kaon, it's it's much more centered around, like, the experiences of, like, the girls. Yeah, more it's more of a slice of life than a music anime. Right, exactly. And that's that's what kind of, like, puts puts me off from, like, watching Kaon, because it's, like, 
And, and it's the same thing for, like, a lot of, like, slice-of-life anime. I think, like, many of them forget about the, sometimes the, uh, the subcultures that underline a lot of, like, uh, the interests behind many of these things and stuff, you know? Like, it's not just, like, the experience of one single group. It's about their experiences within a wider connected web of other, of other people within this, me within a certain medium. And, like, I think that's what elevates Beck, ex like, to, like, even greater heights is that you don't just see, like, their experiences as just this one band. You see how they interact with other bands, like, other musicians, other people who have, like, this, uh, this, uh, common passion for music. Their ups, their downs, their, like, uh, their successes, their failures. Like, like, th this is probably something I'll, like, circle back to by the end of the podcast. But, like, right off the bat, this, this series understands music as, like, a culture. It really knows the vibe of, like, an early aughts indie rock band. Yes, it does. Like, that underground scene, you know, the stuff that bred stuff like Green Day and whatnot. Right. Like, they know this so well. The the, the the clubs, the gigs. Yeah, the gig life, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, as seen in some in like a certain episode of Metalocalypse, you know? Man, does this series kick off with uh, something quite realistic as we kick off with, um, as we kick off the series with our protagonist. Yes, a boy named Yukio Tanako, a.k.a. Koyuki, played here by Greg Ayers. Hey, Greg, good to see him. Yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, heard from him. As he is, uh, you know, pondering about life, you know, like, is there really all there is to do as a young boy at 14, you know? I'm pretty sure most of us have thought to ourselves, you know, like, is this really it? You know, just go to school, do whatever, hang out with our dumb friends, that sort of thing? I mean, really, I kind of, like, felt that around, like, um... Maybe like age 16 or 17. It's like you're really deep in high school. Yeah, especially around that time too. Because he's only in around like what, his uh, first, second year? He's probably like in uh, seventh grade, I want to say, in terms of Amer in terms of like American grading system. Right, something around there. Yeah, but uh, he's a first year in uh, middle school. Right, right. But yeah, very aimless, kind of coasting through life with his friend Tanabe, played here by Kevin M. Connolly. You know, just kind of doing more you know, young boy stuff, you know, his buddies taking pervy pics of, like, some girl athletes, too, and just getting all caught up in that situation. His friend, who visually looks like he got held back 18 years, <laughs> his, his best friend at this time comically has, like, a very, like, like old-looking face. Fucking mole man from The Simpsons. Like, Drinking has ruined my life. I'm, I'm 14. <laughs> Uh, and even at one point, Koyuki running afoul of some uh, Yakuza-esque thugs here, you know, guys you'd see uh, Kiryu kick at, kick their asses off. Right, right. So yeah, so yeah, being bullied and pushed around a little bit here and there. Then uh, one night he runs into a very odd and strange-looking dog, looking like uh, Romero from Zombieland Saga here, this Franken-weenie here. He really does, kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, this mutt's name is Beck. Yeah, someone must be a fan of a certain American alt-rock pop anti-folk musician i believe that yeah. <laughs> it was the style at the time but yeah dog's getting harassed by a bunch of uh, little wiener kids but he saves the frankenweenie and uh, promises to see the owner again you know saying like hey i hope to see you again thanks for the tissues to help me uh you know, patch up my cuts you know and then uh koyuki hooks up with an, old, with an old childhood friend izumi ishiguro played here by colin clickenbeard and it's her who uh, gave him the nickname koyuki as uh, there was a, another boy in the same class as him in elementary school, so she called him Koyuki, or Little Yuki, since he was the shorter of the two. Which is actually kind of a cute nickname, but not honestly. Yeah, that is kind of. And the night leads to them to a uh, below-ground dive bar run by a guy who everyone calls Midi, played here by Jeremy in Manime Inman. And here we see that Beck's owner is here, too. 
as uh, we're introduced to Ryusuke Minami, played here by Eric Vale, who's in the process of making girls cry, brah. He's a heartbreak kid, McMahon. <laughs> this guy, he's just so effortlessly cool. Like, Ryusuke is just really cool. Cool, but in a very specific, uh, kind of asshole-ish way. Very blunt, too. V- very blunt, that can come across as, like, rude to others. Like, in this scene here, he's pretty much uh, breaking up with his girl, and she's all like, What's more important, me or the shitty band? The band. <laughs> Appreciate his honesty. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, it can be, like, very difficult to work with. Yeah, just, like, he's the kind of guy where, like, you really need to, like, kind of dig deep with him, you know, kind of put up with his shit for a while until you can, like, get to, like, the core of, like, who he is as a person, you know? Like, you, you need to, like, you need to, you need to, like, spend enough time to understand him to, like, know why he's like this. And if you take him out, you have to apologize to a lot of people saying, I'm sorry, he's just like this all the time. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, afterwards, Koyuki and the gang run into some, uh, F-bomb dropping hooligans here. Like, they are dropping fuck like it's no tomorrow. Like, it's going out of style. Can I give thanks to, yeah, like, one of the things I want to give thanks to this dub is just, like, and, and I think this ties in with, uh, the music subculture <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. But the series doesn't, like, sugarcoat that, like, like, the, the, this is a story about rock musicians. Like, rebel types. Rebels, very surly, very anti-authority, just, like, not caring what you say around certain people. Like, yeah, they would maybe curse up a bit, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, up a storm, you know? Yeah, like, fuck you, up your ass, eat fuck, shit. Eat shit, go fuck yourself. Exactly. Fuck <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, it's that kind of language. It's like, that fits... That fits like the the culture so well, <laughs> and also and also the stressfulness too of working within that culture. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, they're like and of course they're all friends and stuff too. It's like this is the perfect storm to have like a dub where you can just curse up a storm because yeah, it's a volatile situation. It is like it's being a musician. It's dirty and grungy. Yeah, it's not easy. It takes a lot of effort. Like, you gotta work with other people that you're gonna have conflicting ideas with. It's like, people are gonna get pissed and people are gonna curse. You're gonna say fuck a lot. Like, it's gonna be part of your vocabulary. Yes. So, <laughs> props to this dub for taking advantage of that. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of one of the rare dubs where you hear when you hear that, because, like, the only other dub I can really think about is uh, Pain and Stocking, but that works because it's just basically, like, you know, drawn together but anime. Right, yeah, basically. <laughs> Like, there's, there's, because there's a lot, not a lot of modern anime where that's even warranted for. In terms of modern anime, hearing fuck, like, the only one I can really think about is, uh, there's one scene in the new Higarashi where I hear one person say, you don't know who you're fucking with, kid. That's it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And let's, yeah, not, not since maybe, like, or even, um, like, I didn't watch it, but, like, High School of the Dead, too. Oh, yeah, there's probably a lot. But that was, like, a foster dub, and he's, and he's a, and his, but his era's, like, done now. He's a edgelord, so, you know. Yeah, he's, he's out of the picture now. But, so, yeah, you, you don't, it, it's, it's also just because, like, mo- lots of, lots of stories you see get adapted today, um, just, just are not the kind of stories that would have that from from the get-go and also you need a lot of stuff that has to play on tv and you don't have to deal with that yeah oh yeah like air like airability on tv <laughs> is another is another very, very big factor like being being advertiser friendly <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to have to like like over- we're not we're not gonna be showing these things on like hbo or anything you know, showtime you don't want to overwork the person controlling the bleep button exactly you don't want to give them carpal tunnel right right yeah this this the, <laughs> this this felt just like perfect <laughs> for beck I um, mean, even more kind of like, you know, underground and dirty here is uh, when Ryusuke confronts these goons and he whips out a gun. Like, he was like he pulls out a piece on these guys and starts <laughs> threatening them. Uh, but then it turns out it was actually fake. 
Right, right. Only time he does that in the series, too. (laughs) Like, the first time I saw that, I'm just all like, whoa, dude's whipping out a piece. Right, right? Like, come on, we're rock musicians here. Like, (laughs) we just don't do that. You know, we make trash hotel rooms, but we're not gonna be popping caps on people's asses. We don't want to end up in the tabloids here. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, he was hoping these guys were uh, too drunk to notice that it was a little pop gun that shoots out flags. (laughs) And, but they noticed and they proceeded to throw him in the trash. Uh, but let's go to uh, Ryusuke's house, which is a rundown little place with a flag and an old fishing pond in the back. Like, I, I really like the look of his house, you know? I know, it's, it, well, it's it's also just, like, distinctly weird looking. Yeah. With that big, like, fishing pond that I guess they, like, uh, take money from people to fish in. Yeah, like, so do they buy fish, put in the pond, and then, like, okay, pay to catch fish? I don't know, that kind of seems like the business. Do you get to keep the fish, or do you catch them and throw them back? Maybe catch them and throw them back. I mean, it's a hobby. It's like, who cares if you've got, like, water and fish to, like, go out for? Like, who cares where you live? Yes, you know, if you're not near any lakes. Like, oh, Mr. Fancy Pants, you want to go fly fishing? Go up in the mountains for that. Ooh, Mr. Deep Sea Fishing going out in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. Ooh. Yeah, you feel like a big man, shoot a shark? Like, get the fuck out of here. Fuck you with your sword, with your swordfish catching skills. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, during around this time, you know, they're all hanging out, and uh, Izumi is actually kind of getting pretty uh, awfully chummy with uh, Ryusuke. You know, they know how to really talk to each other with music, whereas uh, to Koyuki, it sounds like a whole other language, you know? And the following day, Ryusuke invites Koyuki and Izumi to one of his gigs. And uh, during around this time, we hear that uh, Ryusuke used to be a part of this band from America called Dying Breed. And uh, we hear a bit of the songs here. And uh, I love how when we hear one of the first Dying Breed songs, Izumi gives uh, Koyuki a old-ass early aughts MP3 player to listen on this. I'm just like, holy shit, this is clearly 2004. <laughs> it's it's charming. It is charming, but it's like, man, we've come such a long way. Like, I look at my iPhone, and I'm just like... Wow, yeah, I appreciate this a lot more. I know, right? Like, I've I've often thought like if um if a uh, Beck ever got like a like a continuation or something, you know, like in like in like modern times, would they even keep that technology within the time period, or would they try to modernize it? You know, would they be trying to like instead of getting CDs, try to like get them on Spotify or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could do it. You could only do it with like the technology at the time. No, this is... music the music the music industry has changed way too much this since is then. Clearly, of the era, like Beck in real life wouldn't really survive in this era. Right, or, or at the very least, they would have to, like, change up their strategy. Yeah. Or be very niche, you know, and just accept that they're a niche band. <sighs> yeah, kinda. And, uh, by the way, Dying Breed, not a real band, but I found out this, that there's actually a Texas-based band also named Dying Breed. Oh, okay, what, what did you find out about them? Yeah, uh, just they're, like, pretty, just local, kind of unknown. I'm sure the music's probably not great. Oh, is it, is it, the, is it the kind of band that only has, like, a Facebook page to their name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if any of you band members are listening to this, I'm sorry. If any of you watch this anime and try to see the actual Dime Breed and leave disappointed... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to a Dime Breed concert. Oh, fuck this. We're not playing any of the songs. Yeah, why are they Why are they playing at a Cowboy Jacks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. <laughs> Worst five dollars I've ever spent. <laughs> Bad mouth dime breed. The, ac- the actual dime breed. Yeah, you know they're from Texas. Maybe they're violent. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're fine. Yeah. Who knows? I've never I've Who never knows? heard any of their music. Who knows? Who knows? This is all speculation. All speculation. Uh, but uh, before we use case band get up on stage, we see their opening act. Ah, introducing Maho Minami, played here by Brina Palencia, aka Ryusuke's kid sister. Always a pleasure hearing Brina sing in any anime or anything ever, really. 
Her performance in the series, uh, in particular, lends a lot to uh, the se- lends a whole lot. Like I think her performance is actually like, one of the best in the whole series. Oh, definitely, she's my MVP of this whole dub. I mean, because because she adds such a like a good listlessness to Maho that mm-hmm. uh, feels really believable. And also, like with Yusuke, also a character that's very kind of effortlessly cool. Effortlessly cool, but like she also uh, nails all of her like. Uh, low moments, her angry moments, like, all of them feel so believable, like, coming through uh, Brina. Yeah, like, I have such an appreciation for her performance here, like, whenever cons are a thing again, and she's a guest at a con, like, I want to meet her, and I specifically want to talk about back and say, like, you are amazing as Maho. Well, it's like, well, it's, 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 yeah, there's, there's a, I would say this is, like, a highlight of, like, the dub in particular, but, like, uh, some characters can be played with a lot more, like, loosely, and, like, some of their, like, uh, like vocal behavior, you know, like some of like the vocal acting. Um, you see this a lot with like Ryusuke as well. Like he also feels like like a believable like rock rock star asshole. Yeah, like <laughs> Vale does a really good job with this one too. Yes, he really does. And it's like and it's a kind of looseness that I just I'm sorry, but like you just don't see it often in anime today. Everything feel everything like a lot of like anime today. It's like it's like a lot of it like doesn't really. Because it's, like, you, you need to, like, keep things, like, st- performances, like, stable and consistent, you know, with, like, uh, you know, the original intention of, like, the anime and, like, the gags and whatnot. But it, it kind of locks every lo- locks a lot of, like, uh, modern, dub, modern dub acting into um, behaviors that are necessary, like, and, like, acting that is necessary to keep consistent with the character. But, like, with Beck in particular, the characters are messy. The mm-hmm. characters are, like, much more messy and complex than, like what you would get in, like, uh, any other work. Yeah, like, if you take, like, performances done by, like, Greg Ayers, Eric Vale, Brina Palencia, and compare them to the Japanese seiyu, I guarantee you that, not only just different languages, like, they're completely, like, different takes on the characters, or, like, somewhat similar, but also very, like, kind of, like, different in certain ways. Right, right. You know, there's, there's like, consistent acting, which is, like, the, the norm, you know, and stuff, but, like, then there's, like, this... But then you have, like, certain specific works that allow for a more looser performance. Given that, like, Beck plays its, plays its strengths a lot in, like, the moments that, um, like, really showcase the messiness of, like, the characters and how hard it is for them to be working in these situations, you appreciate the dub acting more because, like, it really does live up to that. Yeah. It really lives up to that and, like, gets across, like, how messy this all is and, like, how all the characters are kind of, like, playing loose with their lives and... You know, some don't some don't exactly know what they want either, and like you, you can really feel that in there. It's like God. <laughs> it's the, the 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 overall looseness of Beck is an aspect of it that I really do appreciate, and you really do not see in a lot of like modern works. No, this is certainly of the time, very of the time. Oh man, I got to talk about here like uh, Ryusuke's band here. Uh, their stage name, Serial Mama. Like that is such. A grunge underground <laughs> band name. I like that. <laughs> and uh, their performance here, like, uh, I tend to notice this a lot in the show, like, not only just here, but, like, uh, the crowds that a lot of these uh, performances play to, very antsy and kind of fickle at times, where, like, you mess up once and they're all like, boo, fuck you, you suck, but then you fix and go like, hey, Serial Mama. That's an act, those are actual music crowds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're very volatile. Yeah, kind of also like wrestling crowds. Yes, exactly. You know, you mess up once, it's like, you fucked up, you fucked up, you fucked up. <laughs> but again, adding more to the realism. <laughs> but uh, they wanted to impress a record label producer, but uh, tech mishap messed them up, and uh, 
So it's a uh, it's a bit like the uh, beginning to uh, School of Rock, though. Uh, Ryusuke doesn't pull a Jack Black and do a drunken shirtless stage dive into a bartender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this seems this was the uh, final straw, as the next day, Serial Mama is no more, and uh, Ryusuke then has a falling out with one of the band members, Eiji Kimura, played here by John Bergmeier. And the band goes their separate ways, though Ryusuke is able to retain the drummer Togo, played here by Orion Pitts. So uh, afterwards, a uh, nice little bit here where uh, Ryusuke takes Koyuki to a live show and then teaches him how to really listen to music, how to really appreciate it. You know, they're at the show and Koyuki is, is going all like, yeah, the guitarist is really good, but he goes like, okay, now close your eyes and really listen to it. Pay particular attention to the bassist and how he really holds the band together. He's the glue that really keeps the band together. It really is a good, it really is a, it really is a good spe- experience actually like sitting down and like trying to focus on the different aspects of like a, of like music and like a song or something that you really like and really appreciating all the like finer details to you know, it. not just looking at it at face value you know like really understanding it and how it works like you listen to one and like you really focus on the bass player and how they're like really like duking it out or you li- or you listen to the uh, or you're trying to like focus solely on the production and you can really like take in and appreciate the uh, finer craft to uh, refine all the sounds and like add in and add in things when necessary it's 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 a really nice experience and here we're introduced to the bassist Yoshiyuki Taira played here by Jerry fucking Jewel and Ryusuke sees this guy and he's all like I want a bit of that this guy's this guy's my style <laughs> <laughs> oh and around this time we get some uh, early interactions between Koyuki and Maho here and like I said before, I really like Maho. She's got that spunk, you know? She's just very feisty. Mm-hmm. Like, especially from that first interaction where she's trying to ask Koyuki where the bathroom is. And he goes like, oh, it's right behind you. Can't you read kanji? And she's all like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's even a joke that comes up in, like, the last episode of the series, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what, you still can't read kanji? <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, really knowing how to, like, really emphasize each fuck or shit. You know, it's kind of like watching Metal Ocalypse Uncensored. You know, they really know how to swear well. Right, right, yeah. Like, there's there's an art to it. You can't just do it wildly. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to be, it's like right, it's like right moment and right delivery. You were just hits you and go, like, and you go, like, whoa, and, and you're like, I get it. But if you but if you nail it right, then you've just officially made these two characters feel like they really are going to be good friends. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it's right behind you. Can't you read that? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they definitely get to know each other a bit more here. And we do see that uh, she uh, gets Kyuki to sing a bit. And we see that he's definitely got some pipes on him. Like, holy shit. I didn't, I didn't really realize that, especially for like Greg Ayers. Like, he's actually a really good singer here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, like I, I wasn't really well experienced of it, like, in, like, recent years or something, but I think there have been, like, cons and stuff where he's, like, DJ'd or something, or, like, I think he has also done, like, personal music as well in his own time, and it's, like, yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen, I think here or there, I think I have at least listened to it, and, like, yeah, he is a decent singer. And, uh, oh, I want to bring up, uh, next day, uh, Izumi gets Koyuki into swimming, and, uh, here we meet a very crazed swimming weirdo named, uh, Kenichi Saito, played here by R. Bruce Elliott. <laughs> Like, get a load of this fucking guy. Like, strange, creepy, at, at times in the series, surprisingly wholesome. Like, weirdly one of the warmest characters in the whole show. Like, outside of the pool, he's actually kind of a sweetheart. He <laughs> is actually, kinda. <laughs> well, well, what exactly is he? He's a very hyped-up former Olympic swimmer, so, like, he goes to the pool, and whenever he sees someone with bad form he jumps into the pool and say like no you gotta do it right do it like this here let me show you <laughs> come on come on koyuki your form is all wrong <laughs> i'm not training training you to swim in a kiddie pool <laughs> and like he gets into like uh 
a bet with Koyuki saying like, okay, I'll give you like a 15 meter handicap, but uh, if you beat me, then I'll train you. But uh, if you lose, then uh, then you kind of have to fuck off. And then he lets Koyuki get a head start. He's about to win, and then he gets distracted by another person's bad form, and then he loses the race. So Koyuki has to get some lessons from him. <laughs> but immediately, as soon as he leaves the pool, you know, very nice guy talks to him about uh, Brit Rock. Yeah, he play, he plays a very he plays a very important role in Koyuki's life as a as a, an important mentor figure. And it's maybe around here that we should clarify that like this is like the kind of series where like uh, we we cannot like take a sort of like micromanaging look at every single detail in the series because yeah. like it's one of those series that is very uh, like thick with um, uh, lived experiences in the char- in the characters' lives. Mm-hmm. Lots of small things that like kind of build kind of small experiences that kind of mean nothing initially mm-hmm. but kind of build up to form a larger tapestry within their life and their uh, development as a character much like how uh, you you may like not you may like have like one meetup with like a friend in life and may not think about it but then you have subsequent meetups and then they really take a begin to take an influence on you and sort of and you begin to like either warm up warm up to them or like change your opinion on them so yeah, it's. I feel like we should we should uh, say that right now that like there there's going to be a lot of stuff in the series that you just kind of need to uh, pick up on your own. Yeah, and, a lot a lot of like, a lot of like subplots, a lot of like uh, small tiny uh, like events, you know. So yeah, like we we just can't like cover every single little thing in the series. Yeah, and just like very kind of a weird flow where like you'll have like a scene, it'll start, but then we'll cut to immediately a next scene, and then like a plot that gets brought up won't get resolved until, like, several episodes later. But that is exactly, like, that uh, That exactly lends itself to the series. That's life. Yeah, that is life. <laughs> Not every fucking thing happens to you in your life all at once yeah. <laughs> and resolves neatly within a single episode. Because <laughs> life doesn't have episodes. <laughs> and uh, I will say this bit of foreshadowing. Uh, won't be the last time we cover a series that's kind of like this this summer. I'll see you in September. Y- yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, uh, hey, not only is Ryusuke a great musician, but he also seems to be, like, a competent uh, baseball player, too. You know, he can kind of do it all since uh, Midi convinced him to, like, uh, replace one of his players who can't make it to, like, a ball game. (laughs) And another thing he can do is be a bro as he gives Koyuki a nice-looking guitar here. You know, a very special guitar, as we'll soon learn later. Very special. That has far-reaching consequences. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, going to the baseball game here, we see that uh, Ryusuke and his uh, former bandmate, Eiji, is kind of having a bit of a feud trying to recruit some bandmates to their own respective bands. And here we uh, meet some some characters here. In particular, a uh, a certain boy. Guy got boy written all over him. Introducing Tsunemi Chiba, played here by Justin Cook, a.k.a. Grateful King from Show by Rock. My favorite character in the whole series. I love this guy so much. As soon as I saw him, I was just like, get out of my dreams and into my boy's stable. <laughs> what a boy! He's a, a mega boy. King of boy town. <laughs> Which is weird, because he's exactly that kind of guy we would have avoided in high school. Yeah. <laughs> just this very abrasive, loud... Volatile, violent... Just He always wants to start a fight anytime you kind of see him. But, like, as soon as you get to know him, deep down, he's, like, such a good boy. I know. This is exactly the kind of person I would want to hang out with. Yeah, I would definitely want to hang out with Chiba. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, no, look no further here where, like, he starts a brawl at this baseball game because he's pissed (laughs) off at Ryusuke because he owes him money. And then he just starts fighting some of the other guys. (laughs) Oh, Chiba, you you live all the life experiences that I would never be willing to go to jail for. (laughs) 
like yes, this... please punch that asshole in the face for me. Yeah, and take and take a dive. Yeah, because uh, this uh, other character, uh, Manabu Miyazawa, played here by Chris Patton, is like he's the pitcher in the ball game, and he's pitching terribly, almost striking people in the head. And Chiba just had enough of it and just starts like going at it with all the other players. Ah, uh, good introduction. And like Midi is all like, eh, if you can't beat him, beat him. <laughs> Everybody, somebody hit somebody. <laughs> Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? <laughs> My favorite shot in this whole brawl is where it cuts to, like, Manabu, you know, he's lighting the smoke off to the side, and then Koyuki just screams to get everyone to calm down. There's a pause of silence, and then cuts to Manabu. Because it's decked in the face off screen. <laughs> And then he gets to another shot where Uchiba's just mounting this one dude, and he's just wailing on him with punches. <laughs> you see, it's fun. They have fun. They have fun, you know. <laughs> you know, this this is this is life. As long as you don't, bri- so, as long as you're not using like bats to yeah. like hit people with, it's fun. You know, you gotta use your fist. You know, Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary right here. Imagine if someone does like hit a bat, hit someone with a bat, and like, all the fighting stops, and everyone's just like shaking their heads at them, like, dude. Not cool. Come on, this is supposed to be a fight amongst men. You know, I, you know, I don't even feel like fighting anymore. Nah, you ruined it. Good job. Like my day is ruined. Thanks. Way to ruin it with your bitch move there. Oh <laughs> 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 uh. oh yeah, like and he's got a really strong voice to him as well. That um, that's uh, really gotten across well in the dub. Mm-hmm. Really meant to invoke that sort of like a. Uh, like a Zack De La Roca, like a Rage Against Machine style, like vocal voice, like that that gets across really well. Yeah, funny you bring that up for Chiba because uh, he was actually based off Zack De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine. Right, right. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, Koyuki is. Uh, he also wants to learn how to be a vocalist too, but uh, first he's got to learn how to play guitar. And uh, I look at this and I feel like guitar has always been one of those instruments that I would one day want to, but don't want to go through a lot of the trouble with it either. <laughs> It's like, ah, that'd be nice, but ah, it's so much work, though. <laughs> and uh, so Koyuki's uh, practicing up with the guitar that uh, Ryusuke gave him, and uh, one day while running out with it, he uh, he fucks up, and it ends up getting destroyed. And it's just one of those scenes where it's all like, ah, no, why? It, it also leads to the, the to the first experience with Ryusuke's difficult behavior, because he immediately, like, immediately afterwards, he doesn't want anything to do with Koyuki anymore. He, he sees that guitar, and he's all like, get the, get out. Yeah. Get out now. Like, the scene is done really well, where he goes to Ryusuke's place. He's like, hey, can I talk to you? Cuts the outside, silence, and you just hear, get the fuck out! <laughs> That's so fucking great. That is. And he does afterwards. He does. He does. Like, he actually, like, fucks up and, like, is, like, like not allowed to play with them. He leaves his life at this moment in the series. Like, and I felt so bad for him. Right, right. Like, it was an accident, but, like, at the same time, as harsh as it was, you can kind of... It does get over that how much uh, Ryusuke really cares about all of this. Like, if you're not taking this seriously, then get the fuck out of my life. Well, yeah, it's like stakes right now. Like these are like like it was it was such a great establishment of like the stakes in the series. I feel like in any other series, like it would have been like just like this is something that would have been like resolved like within the very episode or something. Like now this hangs with them for a while. Th- th- this actually like is like this actually hangs for like uh like f- like four or five episodes after this. Yeah. <laughs> like Koyuki actually has to make up for this. 
And uh, we do find out that the guitar in particular is actually really special to Ryusuke as it was given to him by his former bandmate from Dying Breed, Eddie Lee, so it has that sentimental value. Yes. So, like, he, he trusted him with, like, a very special piece of, pretty much a piece of him, and then, like, he kind of, he messed it up. Yeah, th- this 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 was a fuck-up. This was a real This was not a no-no. It was a straight fuck-up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, swim coach Saito comes to, in for the save to help uh, Koyuki fix the guitar and also give him some lessons, too, as uh, he also uh, is a bit of a guitarist as he picked it up after he got knocked out of the Olympics due to injury. And he also gives Koyuki a new guitar, a uh, knockoff Gibson Les Paul, or a uh, Tibson Les Paul, as it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing name. I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't really know, like, acoustically, like, the difference between, like, uh, a knockoff or the real thing, but, like, it is just funny. <laughs> it's amazing. And, uh, also in this scene, uh, we get a bit of a precursor to Inko from Toradora here in the form of Saito's bird, Paige. I know, right? Yeah, Paige, Paige the cockatoo. This bird that just can say nothing but, asshole, asshole, asshole. <laughs> I bet you Jamie Markey just had a blast with this, you know, going into the recording booth and just screeching, ASSHOLE! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but he, but he doesn't say that when he listens to music he actually likes. Yeah, like, uh, he wants to really get uh, Paige to sing, so that's why he's uh, he also picked up the guitar. At this point, uh, Paige has never uh, sung along with Saito. Nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Kuki, I have a job for you. <laughs> But uh, no, this is like uh, another one of those. This is like the beginning of like one of the most impo- like one of the more most important relationships in the series, like Kai, uh, Koyuki and Saito. Like this, and I, and I absolutely love the mentor relationship these guys can afford. It's very sweet, and also like while training him with swimming and guitar, he's also gave Koyuki a bit of a part time job at his uh, workplace too. Yeah, yeah. Like major props to Arbus Elliott too, because like this this is another character like you never see him play anymore either. This is such oh. a specific character that he just makes an unforgettable performance with. I know, right? Because there, there's so many different sides to Mr. Saito. The 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 competitiveness when he's like swimming, uh, his lecherous side when he's uh, trying to like score with women in real life. It has mountains of mountains of boxes of porn bags in his workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the loneliness the, the loneliness that he also feels, but also just like the the warmth and like genuine desire to pass on his guitar skills is actually like his actually good guitar skills yeah like very good onto a uh, onto a precocious uh eager to learn koyuki it's it's it really is one of the strongest relationships in the series and even in the later parts too when like uh you know like he finally like teaches koyuki pretty much everything he can and kind of takes a uh and kind of goes off to the sidelines a little bit more. Like you are, you st- are still actually very happy to see him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like an old friend popping by. <laughs> ah, Saito, my old pal. <laughs> Doing any training at the swing pool lately? Did you keep it in your pants? <laughs> like when you were out with her. <laughs> keep in mind you're wearing a speedo. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what, like one of those characters that, like, uh, I would say is like a real is a. I, I think really typical of the great writing of Beck because like uh, just just one character, but so many different sides to him, so many different like personalities and like certain situations, like such a real well realized three D character, three dimensional character, and a character that well sort of like <laughs> he doesn't have like too many like wants or needs outside of like uh, you know outside of like wanting to get like a date or something, yeah. but like but aside from that though he he's such a good supporting character, like a really well realized one. 
and one character that like in a lesser anime could have easily been fucked up oh yes absolutely like he's like he could have swung very far into like the worst parts of master roshi yeah <laughs> like just really just play into that roshi or jiraiya kind of perviness and just make it too much oh yeah and like i know that would have been that would have gotten kind of obnoxious after a while but oh, like yeah. he he's he's actually balanced quite well in my opinion very much so so uh saito goes kayuki into performing with his uh, old band in order to get uh, some on-the-job training as uh, they'll be competing at a local rock contest while at the same time getting the uh, swimming lessons, too. And uh, meanwhile, Ryusuke and Chiba think of, of uh, band names for their own band. And uh, I love that Ryusuke's suggestions are all just named after him. <laughs> <laughs> like one was like Ryusuke's Snake Pit or something. <laughs> or one was like literally just RDM with the R standing for Ryusuke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that speaks to any kind of ego in him, but more just like his laziness. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call ourselves the Ryusuke Minami Rock and Roll Experience featuring Chiba. <laughs> I think I think to him he he genuinely didn't care at this point. Just so long as they were played, like he wanted the music yeah. to get through. Mm -hmm. Like who cares what they get named? Just in the like ah, eh, we'll figure it out as soon as we get to it. Yeah, but like if I like it, then I like it. <laughs> but uh, Chiba does come up with a better idea. Let's call ourselves Beck after the dog. Ah, eh, sorry, I think that name's already taken. I mean, like compared to like other real life bands, like in like their name inspirations, like that's not the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, what are some of, like, the, the weirder ones out there, like, band name origins? Because I, I know Daft Punk named themselves after um, after a bad review they got in their early days. Where before they were known by anything like that, uh, they were... They, they got, like, a review in the newspaper that described their... That uh, was, ver was very... Did not think very highly of them at the time. And described their music as uh, a Daft... Like, what was it? Like, a Daft Punkish drone? Yeah. And then that's where they then took up the name go Daft Punk going forward. And then it stuck for their entire... And then stuck for their entire career. You know, they made it work. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Or, uh... I know even, like, the, uh... The... I think the Beatles were originally going to call themselves, like, the Silver Beatles or something. Yep. But uh, then they just decided it to shorten, shorten it to The Beatles, mm -hmm. which is, you know, then where it worked. Or uh, Leonard Skinner, where, like, I think they took their band name from, like, their old principal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> uh, so the day of the contest is here. It's uh, less of a battle of bands, concert combat, more like a talent show, really. And uh, Saito is uh, prepping by getting blind-sticking drunk off of... Dak Daniels <laughs> whiskey, <laughs> and the rest of the band is doing the same. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have had. Yeah, I think I might have uh, had that uh, brand name before. I think it's. Yeah, I think it was uh, right next to a bottle of uh, Dim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> also next to a bottle of Rackin Rum. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, one of the bandmates just goes so overboard and drinks them straight into a local medical facility for the night. <laughs> Sounds like a failed uh, Zaz blaming Mataz reunion here. God, but if this group does not look like an actual, like, like dad rock band or something. <laughs> <laughs> look so old and tired. But you know what? They all look like they're have fun, having fun doing it. You know, they don't play to be good. They just play to kind of just have fun. Right, right. <laughs> so Saito joins his bandmate in the hospital, and now the group is down two members. Thankfully, Maho's here to pinch hit for him here. And they sing a pretty nice little upbeat song here, you know. It's nice kind of seeing these two kind of sing together, you know. Mm, definitely. And things seem to be blooming between Maho and Koyuki, evident by the two having a post-celebratory uh, skinny dip at school. <laughs> and uh, this this scene here is like one of the nicest moments in the entire show, where we get to hear both of them sing the song uh, Moon on the Water by Dying Breed. 
Yes, one of the, yes, one of the uh, standout songs of the series. A uh, very a very soft, um, like almost like ballad like song. Uh, v- v- in- incredibly nice to listen to. And I'll splice it in.
Gently in the night of one fine day You were there Smiling in my arms for all those years Valencia pulls this off so well. Super well. And Greg was really great here too. Like uh, we brought it up like uh, he's like does a lot of DJing at uh, cons and like honestly that was all I really knew him for when it came to music like I honestly didn't know he had it in him until like watching back and in, in this scene in particular right here yeah yeah and it's not like his only like stand-up performance in the series either no like he's got pr- plenty more yeah Ko- Koyuki as a role really requires like a good vocalist to play him mm-hmm. because like you know he he does end up writing his own songs later on which does involve him like Using his, uh, you know, softer, uh, his softer voice. Yeah. So and, like, and so yeah, and Ayers, you know, he, he fit the he fit the job description. And so uh, around this time, we see that uh, Tyra, the bassist from earlier in the series, is now on board with Ryusuke's band too, and we kind of got ourselves a full group here. Yes, the full. Yeah, we've got something good going here. <laughs> and uh, we mentioned that uh, Chiba, based off uh, Zach De La Roche from uh, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Tyra here. Based off of uh, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, <laughs> I can actually, I can actually kind of see it now. <laughs> no, noticeably, I would say noticeably more chill than Flea. A little bit more chill, you know. He's not, uh, you know, going on the Simpsons, going on like, "Hey, Mao!" Yeah, exactly. He's 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 the cool customer of the group. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the next day at school, we're introduced to like the new music teacher. This is uh, Momoko Agasawara, played here by Gwendolyn Lau. You know, she's very nice. You know, trying to be the. Uh, coordinator for the school's choir contest and you know he wants she wants koyuki to be the leader of the class to get him ready but we see that not a lot of the students really respect her you know they kind of look down on her because she's pretty much practically the same age as them oh yeah that's that's realistic for yeah. a teacher for a new teacher yeah yeah we saw that on occasion throughout our school life i'm just like ah don't be mean to her she seems nice i know and you feel so bad <laughs> and oh speaking of uh, bullying Koyuki gets in some trouble with uh, some other bullies as he inadvertently breaks a- another guitar here, a Jaguar, which is the same type of guitar that Kurt Cobain used. And uh, to pay for what he did, the bullies introduced Koyuki to the owner, uh, Rikia Kitazawa, played here by Jason Douglas, this brick shithouse of a student here. <laughs> like, do you go to this school, sir? <laughs> no. Do you go to school, sir? <laughs> no, I just like fucking around with these kids. <laughs> And uh, the head bully here, Hyodo Masaru, played here by Rob McCullum, promises not to tell him so long as Koyuki does what he says. So we got some uh, blackmail here. Yeah, this is like another one of those like small things in the series that like kind of only informs like one relationship. It doesn't really like tie in very much to like the main band or anything. But uh, this is one of the things that kind of like really sticks with Koyuki for quite a few episodes of the series. Yeah, quite. Yeah, it sticks with him for quite a long for quite a long while. But, like, it still, it still, like, informs a lot of, like, uh, you know, like, his side relationships and stuff and, like, uh, how he relates to, um, you know, other musicians and whatnot. So it is still, like, overall, like, you know, one of those, like, it, it's one of the most important, like, subplots in the series. As he's, like, basically making life hell for Koyuki in exchange for not telling Rikia that he broke the, the guitar. Right. Around this time, uh, Maho's trying to, like, reconcile things with uh, Ryusuke and Koyuki. And uh, she does get him to go to one of uh, Beck's uh, first gigs. And, but he does so in, in disguise with, like, a big heavy coat and sunglasses, too. <laughs> and uh, here at this concert, we get a good look at uh, Ryusuke's pride and joy. His guitar, named Prudence, or as it's called in the Japanese version and the manga, Lucille, which is a much better name. Yeah, that is a lot better. But, yeah, I, why would they change that? 
I have a theory, but that's kind of like later on stuff. Hmm. But uh, I will bring up uh, the name Lucille, the name of a uh, of a BB King's guitar here. Mm, right. Uh, do you know the story of how he actually named his his guitar Lucille, BB King's guitar? Mm, no, I don't know the story actually. Yeah, I got it right here. So it was the winter of 1949, and BB King was was playing a show in a town called uh, Twist, Arkansas. What a name! And uh, these were like in dance halls that weren't uh, properly heated, and also it was the 40s. So in order for them to heat it, they would fill up a bucket of kerosene light it on fire, and place it in the middle of the dance floor to heat up the room. Uh, during a performance, two guys started to get at it and go in and start fighting. They brawl and knock over the bucket, and B.B. Uh, King described it as a uh, river of fire that just starts engulfing the whole building. <laughs> it just pours and goes straight down in a line. Yeah. <laughs> the place just goes all up in flames, and then B.B. King, he, wa- he runs out to safety, but then he realizes that he left his, his guitar back in the room, so... Runs back into the blazing building to get his guitar, and he was able to make it out safe with the guitar. A few days later, he finds out that the two guys that started the fight have died in the fire, and the reason they were fighting, it was over a woman. That woman, her name was Lucille, and that's why he names his guitar as Lucille. Holy shit, that's an awesome origin story for a guitar. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a legend you can tell. That's like deal with the devil, like <laughs> down to the south levels of awesome. This tragedy all stemming from this one woman, and I will remember this woman's name for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, I'm almost kind of glad that like most musicians today like uh, don't try to like invent some like BS like story around like how they got their guitars or something to try and make them special because it's like it makes all the old stories that much better right all that much more appreciative like like who else in like a different timeline would ever say like they made a deal with the devil to get like musical talents or that like that or that like their guitar was like fed the blood of two men like fighting over a woman in a fire <laughs> it's fucking brutal <laughs> so fucking brutal <laughs> and uh this guitar and Beck like uh their version of Lucille is actually pretty badass too, as it has six bullet holes in it, and it still plays incredibly. Oh, that looks cool! <laughs> I my my favorite kinds of instruments are like the damaged ones that like can still actually play a really good tone. You know, it's like the musical version of uh, the Game Boy that got caught up in the Gulf War that can still play Tetris. I mean, I was more gonna say, uh, didn't like Louis Armstrong's like trumpet? Wasn't it like bent at a weird angle? But yeah, produced like a very distinct tone that was totally unique to any other trumpets. Yeah, and he just stuck with it because it, like it worked with him. I know, like holy shit, like yeah. that's like talk about a lucky way to break your instrument. <laughs> <laughs> it's like God, I break I break the slide on my trombone and I just can't play it anymore. Same with my saxophone, or I break a reed or some of the valves won't close properly. I'm just like, well, that's Like, I actually that. have to bring it in to get it straightened out. <laughs> <laughs> How sad is that? <laughs> I kind of like their style. It almost reminds you a bit of uh, the Beastie Boys in a way. Yeah, it does kind of a little bit. You know, with uh, Chiba doing a bit of his rapping here, too, and, we, and he got, like, the rock to back it up, too. Uh, but the next day, uh, Saito comes to Koyuki with good news. The guitar is finally fixed. Now Ryusuke will have to forgive him. Oh, unfortunately, we got to deal with Kyoto first, and Riki is with him too, Joy. And they play around with, with the guitar until Riki thinks Koyuki's uh, laughing at him, and then he smashes the fucking guitar. Like, holy shit. Oh, uh, well, I feel so bad for him. Oh, uh, all that work. <laughs> all that work. And to make it even worse, Koyuki goes back to Saito to tell him about it. But before he can, Saito tells him how, you know, it was worth every penny fixing that guitar, and he hopes that Koyuki and Ryusuke are friends again. And Koyuki couldn't bring himself to say that it's broken. He just has to say... 
thank you. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> what are you doing this to me back? So everything's fucked. Or is it? As uh, Maho was uh, digging around in Ryusuke's place and she happens to find something, she found the guitar that Eddie gave to Ryusuke. The real one. <laughs> Turns out the one that uh, he gave Kyuki was a cheap knockoff that he bought in Queens. You know, he just mixed up the two. Every every now and then the writing in the series throws the characters a bone. <laughs> and this was a big one. <laughs> you know, just like Maho plops the guitar in front of him. Ryusuke gets a good look at it and he's just like, Ah, I've been an asshole! <laughs> <laughs> But man, are is like whenever a bone gets thrown in the series, it's so it's so satisfying. <laughs> and he wants to make pe- peace with Koyuki here, but just with everything that went between the two of them, Koyuki just like runs and avoids him. It's like, oh, come on, guys. I know. <laughs> so some time has passed. In fact, uh, a year has passed as we're uh, we're already back in March, which means the start of a new school year. As uh, Koyuki's now a third year in junior high, and uh, you can tell this is an early dub because. Uh, they don't say third year, they say ninth grader. Like, remember when they used to do that, where they kind of Americanized the grading system here? Yeah, that's that's weird. It's one of those, like, it's like, it's like, like, who cares if you say, like, a grade, like, it's it's almost like in Canada. Like, who cares if you say, like, grade 10 or something? Like, you don't need to, like, translate away from that. Yeah. It's like, just say grade 10. Yeah. Or, like, or just say, or just say, uh... Or just say, like, uh, year three, class one. That's it. Yeah, that's it, it's simple. Like, who? Oh, oh, what? We're gonna teach people about like uh, classes, like school class systems from other countries. Yeah, fucking good. <laughs> like, learn that. <laughs> oh, so around this time, uh, Koyuki gets a sweet new guitar from Saito. You know, as a bonus for all of his uh, hard work, it's a uh, Gretsch White Falcon, another pretty snazzy looking guitar. Oh yeah, it is pretty looking. And afterwards, he does finally run into Ryusuke after almost a year, and it looks like they finally make amends. And I like how very subtle it is where they bump into each other and they kind of make small talk and, he, and then Ryusuke's all like, hey, we're going to practice. Come on. You're coming with me. <sighs> and they get So to, sweet. And they, Koyuki gets the jam with Beck and just everything feels just so good in the world. And a great bit afterwards where Ryusuke notices that uh, Koyuki and Maho are getting uh, pretty chummy here. So after practice, he uh, walk up, walks up to him, gives him a condom and tells him, hey, Enjoy. <laughs> Look, I know you're into my sister. I just want you both to be safe. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> Don't do that. Why do you fuck with me like this? Gets even awkward later where, like, uh, Koyuki's with Maho. It falls out of his pocket. She sees it and then proceeds to beat him with a coat rack. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but the following day, Koyuki uses the uh, Dying Breed mix CD that Maho made for him. And he uh, plays it over the school PA system, very Shawshank Redemption style here. <laughs> He even references Shawshank Redemption, too. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, you know why they, why he did that in the scene? Because they're in prison. School is a prison, and I just want to give everyone a little bit of freedom. <laughs> wow, good job, dude. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Not everyone gets to pull off cool movie shit like that for reals. Yeah. And the whole thing kind of stems from, like, the rest of the school kind of shunning him because of his association with, association with Kyoto. As uh, they're kind of seeing them kind of hang around a little bit, you know. Not knowing that uh, he's getting, being blackmailed. Right, right, yeah. That that also makes a lot of sense as well. And uh, this whole performance here kind of caught the ear of one Yuji Sakurai, played here by the JYB, Johnny Young Bosch. Man, it's kind of weird hearing him in Funimation dubs when you really think about it. It's only weird because I, I, I realize, as time goes by, that uh, his voice never actually changes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he's perpetu- He's Yeah, he's actually maintained his voice quite well after all these years. Amazing. 
I hear him as Vash, and then I hear him like a modern dub as like, I don't know, like Sabo and One Piece. Like, still consistent. Still sounds like perfect. Yeah, this was still back around the time where he was doing stuff for Funimation in Texas before he moved out to California. I mean, I could say that about a lot of voice actors as well. Many, many, like, keep their voices in very good condition over the years, but, like, um, you know, like, you know, I've no- I noticed, like, as some get older, like, they kind of take on, like, roles of, like, older characters as well, occasionally here and there, but, like, young, yeah, Bosch, like, still consistently can pull off, like, young characters' voices. Yeah. Quite well. And it uh, looks like uh, Koyuki has made a new friend here in uh, Sakurai, or Saku, as he calls him. And they get all buddy-buddy and go to one of uh, Beck's gigs, and uh, Saku shows that he's really good at uh, analyzing each member's play style. How he points out that Ryusuke takes a lot of in- influence from different musicians. In particular, he does the uh, he does uh, the uh, very uh, Rage Against the Machine, scratching his, his guitar like a DJ. Right, right, the the kind of Tom Morello star- style. Yeah, like, I saw that, I'm just like, that's so cool! <laughs> I know, it's 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 just like how, like, uh, Morello actually does it in real life. Like, oh, that's that's really good inspiration. And we see more of uh, Chiba being all like Zack from Rage Against the Machine, too. So they're very much a big influence in Beck, too. Yeah, a very big one. And uh, he compliments everybody, but uh, Saku notices that uh, there's an exception here. Togo, the drummer, he's kind of holding them back, quite frankly. And opportunity comes knocking as Koyuki hears from Maho that Togo has to quit the band as he's uh, feeling a lot of pressure from his uh, parents and girlfriend to focus more on the family business, you know. No, not focus on the silly rock and roll stuff. Yeah. So who's going to be a drummer now? Saku, come on down! And uh, we see that he's actually really an accomplished drummer. I know, right? He, he can dish it out. <laughs> he can really dish it out. And uh, he's not the only one who gets to join, as Ryusuke also wants Koyuki as an official member of Beck. Though, unfortunately, uh, some folks in the crowd aren't really taking to the new Togo-less Beck, you know? And I'm just all like, ah, cretins don't even know talent. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Koyuki, he could use a little bit more seasoning. Which is a kind of a nice detail where if you really listen to his uh, guitar playing, you can kind of hear that, okay, there are some mistakes here and there. You know, he's not quite perfect. So while listening back to the performance, Koyuki comes across a demo that Ryusuke recorded. And uh, he's really into it and wants to sing it at their next concert. So he gives the new song a try and uh, the guys are blown away by his singing too. And this is the song that would become Face in the series. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell that they were just waiting for this chemistry. Like as soon as he stops singing, they're all like, Koyuki. You're the one. It all They all musically do feel, like, much more complete now. And a nice little bit here where, like, uh, they say they want Kiki to start singing more, and Chiba's all like, oh, what about me? I, I thought I was the vocalist. And they're all like, nah, man, you're the band's hype man. We can't have you. We can't, like, let you go. And you gotta, you gotta sing your little rap, too. <laughs> I love how you phrase it as his little rap. Yeah. <laughs> as if he's not the fucking, like, vocal cornerstone of yeah. the band. <laughs> Way to, way to pull a Chiba on Chiba, yeah. dude. But <laughs> uh, well, no, he's very happy to still be very appreciated. Yes, <laughs> he's, he is. As good as he is at singing, he can't rap like Chiba. Yeah. So uh, the next day at school, Hiro's got to come in and ruin everything. As uh, Koyuki and Saku are having a nice time playing Dying Breed's new song. You know, Saku even backing up Koyuki on Maracas. And this asshole's got to show up an asshole all over everything. Though, uh, we do see that Hiro is kind of starting to change a little bit. You know, he's kind of being more impressed with Kiyuki's guitar playing, even recognizing the Dying Breed song here. So, huh. Like, yeah, they do, they do show that there is, like, something bridging these two. Like, they do, there is, like, a musical interest between the two. Yeah, like, this is another thing that kind of builds over the series, you know, kind of moving away from making Hiro kind of a one-note bully, mm-hmm. you know, giving him a bit of character here. So, uh, from one asshole to another, uh, Koyuki bumps into Rikia and just, man, fuck this guy so hard. 
Oh, really? I know, really? It sucks so bad. Ugh. And he even breaks the necklace that Maho gave to him. Then, best boy Shiva comes in for the save here as uh, Riki is starting to rough off Koyuki, and then he comes in and starts fighting him. And I love how, like, while this is happening, we kind of get a bit of uh, Chiba's backstory from Maho, saying that uh, when he was younger, he used to get bullied a lot. That's why he learned how to fight. And Maho even said, like, eh, he used to be a little bitch, now look at him. <laughs> so Riki gets Chiba on the ropes until Chiba hits him with an X-Pac spinning heel kick and a Roman Reigns big dog! And real sweet moment afterwards where Maho promises to get Kyuki a new pick whenever Eddie comes back to Japan. Yeah. So sweet and so awesome of Chiba. So awesome. Like, just kicking this big dude's ass here. It pays to have a friend who does not mind getting taking a punch for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> taking a punch really hurts. It does. <laughs> but nah, he's a bro. A total bro. He really is. Oh, hey, wouldn't you know it? Dying Breed has a tour in Japan coming up soon. Oh, uh, man, I want to bring up a little bit of a, another sweeter moment that'll, that'll uh, pay off a little bit later between uh, Koyuki and Maho as uh, Koyuki was uh, competing at a swim meet earlier in the series, and uh, while Maho was helping Koyuki warm up, Saito suggests a little wager. You know, if he won, then uh, Maho would have to do something for Koyuki, and uh, it's time for her to make good on that promise here, as uh, she gives him a big smooch. Oh, uh, yeah, take the ship to the moon! <laughs> The alternative was moving forward with, um, like, you know, attempting a singing career, but, um, yeah, she wasn't really, she made it clear she wasn't really, like, ready for that yet. Nah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I guess she figured a kiss would be the next best thing. <laughs> next best thing, but hey, it's moving forward with this whole relationship, which I really like. Very slowly. It's very, very slowly. <laughs> because this is Maho we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And they're both 14-year-olds. And they don't know how to express feelings very well. Yes. It feels very real. It's like, ugh, you're frustrating, but I, l I love you both, though. I know, it's frustrating, but this is realistic. <laughs> oh, meanwhile, the other Beck boys check in on Eiji. Gotta scout the competition. Though, uh, we see his band, and it's not what you would call rock. It's very poppy, young teenage girl loving rock that's what that's one of my favorite little like uh smaller stories in the series is like the the progression of his band towards like being this like <laughs> pop rock like <laughs> outfit because <laughs> like they're they're not like too awful but it's just like compared to beck and like where he was before with like ryusuke it's like dude come on <laughs> Like you really like this is really what you wanted to move on to like it 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 like it's not brought up too much in the series but the effect very much is this feeling of like come on dude like is this really what you decided to move on to doing this almost kitty shit here <laughs> like I think uh, during the concert uh, it was Chiba that has like a really good line where he's talking about how there's nothing but young girls here and he goes like it's like a sea of training bras here. <laughs> But uh, regardless of how you feel about his music, uh, his band is generating a lot more interest than Beck is at the moment. So, eh, they're getting that. They're getting more people. <laughs> they they remind me of like a like a that that like shitty like a uh, boy metal band from like uh, the opening of Brutal Legend. Just <laughs> <laughs> immediately gets yeah. like killed by a giant demon. <laughs> as Eddie Rig as like Eddie Riggs gets sent to a world of metal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me those kinds of vibes. <laughs> Oh, there's one way for Beck to get a big crowd for their next gig, and that's have Eddie Lee potentially make a surprise appearance in the crowd. And now let's finally meet this uh, famous Eddie, as uh, here he is, played here by Jason Liebrecht, here to see what uh, Beck is really all about here. And just, when he enters a room, he kind of brings in like this big 
rock star aura. You know, you can tell that this dude is a is a rock star. It's a very specific kind of aura that you only see in like rock stars. They enter the room and like think like the the vibe just changes. Mm-hmm. And like, everyone's all like, oh man, that's Eddie Lee. There he is right there from Dying Breed. Holy shit, he's right here. I, I know, it's that exact experience. Yeah. And then he's all like, guys, I'm just here to listen to music just like the rest of you. Koyuki actually really impressed Eddie, you know, like he gives him props after the show. And he's getting a bit of the rub, you know, with his like his performance. Though he still needs to work on his uh, guitar playing as uh, Tyra was a bit more blunt where he says, singing was good, guitar was shit. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Dying Breed's uh, concert here, as it uh, looks like Eddie hooked up Beck with some free tickets. And uh, we see them play, and uh, they actually play the ending theme to the show right here. (laughs) (laughs) Even at one point, we see Eddie playing the guitar with his teeth. Like, ah, it's cool. It's even more effective that it's like the ending theme of the series, though, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Because it's like like a presence you feel beforehand, and then it's like, then finally, like, oh, it clicks together. Oh, yeah, Dying Reed was with us since the beginning. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, we've been listening to this, to, like, their awesomeness all this time. And I really dug the direction of this concert here, where it's got, like, the shaky cam, the grainy blue filter, and just, you know, simple ways to get over how crazy good Dying Reed is and how good going to one of their concerts is. And I love Chiba crowd surfing during the performance. (laughs) (laughs) Like, of course he would. Ah, uh, Chiba, living living one of my uh, dreams one day. <laughs> I would want to crowd surf too, but I'm afraid of people getting handsy. I mean, yeah, like if, if you don't like get, if you don't like people touching you, then like yeah, crowd surfing would be awful for you. Yeah, but it's like you know, but again, it's like the experience of like you're crowd surfing, you're like, on a crowd, like, yeah. and they're all carrying you, and you get and you get like nicely put down at the end. Yeah, like, don't drop me, don't drop me, don't drop me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. You'd be surprised. Like most crowd surfing I've seen, like they're very nice at the end, just like let you down very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best kind of crowd to do it for. Oh, and uh, during this whole uh, concert, we see that uh, it's all being filmed for a documentary by a guy named Jim Walsh. So uh, remember that for later. And suddenly we get a surprise appearance from Ag as a uh, Dying Breed's manager set it up so that he can join them on stage. But one of the members, Mark, added the extra condition that he can only join if he impressed during the sound check. Turns out, he didn't. And then Mark lights AG's guitar on fire right in front of him. And he's just like, your music's not going to save everyone. Fuck off. Oh. <laughs> kind of satisfying. It's brutal, but very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what you get for shying away from Beck's light, you know? <laughs> 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 oh man, it's it's mean, but it's like you can't just help but like like love the audacity of it. It's it's like the scene in Animal House where uh, uh, John Belushi just takes that one dude's guitar and just smashes it against the wall. Only this time he doesn't say sorry; he means it. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of Ag, Mark brings up Koyuki from the crowd to join in on the next song. And I will splicey this in, this moment where he sings Moon on the Water with Dying Breed. Get up here. Koyuki, I think Mark's talking to you. Uh-huh. Come on. You're gonna sing with us, man. Dying breed song, man. Come on, Koyuki, you can do this! 
Moon on the water, I guess. Because it brings back good memories. beautiful moment ah uh, yeah very pretty like honestly i was kind of almost tearing up a bit because i'm just like this is so good it's differently when played to a crowd played to a crowd and like after a few uh, start stops because koyuki is very nervous about all this i know like he actually has to like start and stop like and the crowd's just all like oh this, this kid he can't do it and then he immediately wins, wins him over with his golden voice i know th- i i love that so much it's so good and all this you, you can the, the the anxiety he has on that stage is so palpable like because yeah getting up on a stage and like performing is pretty difficult for like some people it is it doesn't come naturally it is. I will say, especially if you were like the, if you were in the spotlight too, in the spotlight with one of the biggest rock bands in America, and they're inviting you to come up and sing one of their songs with them. 
I know, the, the, like Beck, uh, like really captured like like the the scariness of like doing something like that, especially for someone who has never done that before. No, and someone who's still very much a rookie when it comes to being a musician. Yeah, but then he just nails the performance. Just nails it, and the crowd loving every minute of it. Even a week later, after the concert, Kuyuki's still over the moon, talking about going all like, "Man, I was on stage singing Moon on the Water with Dying Breed. Can you believe that?" And they're like, "Yes, Kuyuki. It's been a week right now. <laughs> you never talk, stop talking about it once." <laughs> so, time for him to come back to Earth, as uh, things are a little off between him and Maho, as Kuyuki sees Maho getting a little too close with an old friend of hers named Yoshido Morizumi here. Oh, this guy. This fucking guy. <laughs> what a piece of work this guy will be. Just, my asshole meter went off the moment I saw him. Higher than Rikia. Higher than Rikia. Which is unbelievable at this point. Yeah, like, he's not a, like, Yoshido is not, like, a bully that you can probably beat the hell out of you, you know, he's very scary looking. Now, this is the kind of bully that can just, like, hurt you with, like, his words and his actions, you know? Like, Rikia will, like, will, like, stab, will, like, st- at least stab you from the front. Yoshida will stab you in the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's that kind of person. So, Koyuki sees uh, Yoshido and Maho getting all chummy, buddy-buddy, whatnot, and he feels like, oh, did that kiss me nothing? Is this it? Are we not a thing anymore? Mm-hmm. And then later, Koyuki hooks up with Izumi and helps her go swimsuit shopping and do a little night swimming. One year to the day when Koyuki did the same thing with Maho, and then Maho catches them. Uh, no. Uh. You just hear silence, and then you hear her singing Moon on the Water in the distance, you know, lighting a firework to see see them. And then she just runs away crying. I'm just like, oh. oh fuck. Uh. Breaks your heart. Breaks my heart. That being said, this is some great 18 drama right here. It is really good team drama. <laughs> this is how you do it, Toradora. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not the only bad thing going around right here, as uh, Ryusuke gets some bad news. As a uh, pop diva by the name of Erika Bleach has died, and it appears that it was suicide, though uh, rumors say that uh, she was silenced because she was critical of the U.S. government. And this hits Ryusuke very hard. But uh, let's move on to a bit of a lighter note, as uh, Tanabe, you know, is uh, Kuki's friend from earlier in the series, is forming his own band called Ciel Blue, which means Blue Sky in French. And this guy is just doing it just to get laid. (laughs) (laughs) And he even persuades Koyuki and Saku to join in on their band. (laughs) So they're set to perform at the upcoming school festival, but, uh, huh, Hyoto hasn't ruined anything yet. Time to change that as he comes to hassle these guys. Thankfully, Saku is here to defuse the situation by bringing up a bit of Hyoto's backstory as uh, his father was actually the lead guitarist for a band that he's very much a big fan of. Uh, Did uh, Saku find the key to calm down Hyoto a bit here? Can I get the key to his heart? But still need some work, though, as uh, come the day of the festival, looks like him and his goons ripped up all of uh, their Dying Breed shirts. And uh, they even preemptively get the crowd to turn on them. Just, you know, he snatches all of his goons in the crowd going all like, Eh, fuck these guys, they suck, boo, boo. And then when everyone's looking at him, go like, I said boo. <laughs> boo. Uh, yeah, boo. Oh, yeah, boo. Boo, boo hiss, angry words. <laughs> <laughs> They do eventually win the crowd over and the contest too, and uh, Tanabe, even though he ditched them because he didn't want to be booed off stage, comes back to accept the uh, Grammy-looking trophy here. <laughs> Weasel. <Yeah. laughs> Everyone's even all like, what's he doing up here? He didn't play with them. I know. Like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, all me, Tanabe. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, uh, Chiba is actually having a few words with uh, Rikia, who then confronts Hyodo. 
As it turns out, uh, Hyodo's been lying about this whole situation with Riki, you know, trying to extort money out of Kyuki by saying that, oh yeah, this money's to pay for the guitar and everything. Now he just stole money from him. And Riki's all like, I don't like you using my name for, the, for extortion, so I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> Which he does. <laughs> Very violently. <laughs> Afterwards, it looks like there's some forgiveness between Kyuki and Hyodo. Could this be the start of a phase turn? Well, yeah, that's one of those things with this series where, like, you meet someone, and then you kind of get to know them after a little bit of a while, and it's like, okay, you're not who you are as I thought you'd be. Right, right. There, There's layers to people. It's just some need to be uh, more humbled than others. Yeah, and it kind of shows that kind of charm Koyuki has with kind of attracting other people, despite how they may initially feel about him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's very good at that. Yeah, it, it is a good... It, it's, it's almost like a secret talent of his. It's a very wholesome moment where, like, he tells him that, hey, we both won the award for, like, best guitarist here. You know, I already got one trophy, but it's broken. They say a new one's coming in. Do you want the new one? And he's like, no, nah, I'll take the broken one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's more. There's now an understanding between the two now, it seems. We're at the halfway point of the show, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the rest of Beck, Muggle and Chop Squad. was at a dead end. Well, until I met him. I want to give this to you. I just thought that maybe you'd like to learn how to start playing some, too. Let me see your hand. Looks like you've still got a ways to go. must have heard about us through word of mouth. These guys sound great. The rest of the world's discovering Beck's greatness.
laughing and smiling back with the second half of Back Mongolian Chop Squad. Oh, let's check it back in on the whole situation between Koyuki, Maho, and Izumi. As uh, Maho's been really upset about the whole thing at the pool, and uh, Ryusuke says that she's been crying a lot even when she thinks he isn't looking at her. And then she bumps into Izumi, who invites her out for a little chat. And I saw this and I'm just all like, this is awkward. <laughs> this is awkward. But it was kind of coming to this. It is like, you gotta have this conversation between the two, especially after that scene at the pool. And the moment where Kuki finds out about this and goes to find them is pretty great, where it's just like, he spots them, you know, after they had their little chat, and just a solid minute of silence where it just cuts back between each person just staring at them and just like, you can just tell what each of them are thinking just by looking at them. And then Izumi breaks the silence by saying goodbye to Kuyuki, and he's like, but I just got here, and she's all like, take care. And we all know what she meant by that. It's like, that's good. It's really good. Yeah, because it, it, it's very clear Koyuki is going in a very different direction from her. Mm -hmm. And Maho is down that path. And she can tell that Maho is actually really special to Koyuki and, like, and vice versa. Yeah. So let's switch back to Ryusuke and his connections with uh, Erika, as it turns out that she and Eddie were once an item, and that's how he knew her, you know, during his time with Dying Breed. But he just can't fathom her uh, committing suicide, you know, it's not like her. And any fueled with fire that, you know, someone probably had her erased. Beck moves on to working on their first album, and this album has to be THE album. You know, they gotta bust their asses to make this perfect no matter what, even when Kuyuki's playing with a high fever. There, there, there comes that moment for some bands where, like, they, I, like, they, <laughs> you can sound good at as many live shows as you can, but, like, it's very different from putting together an album. Like, you gotta be perfect with an album. Not, I wouldn't say perfect, but, like, you need to, like, you need to show, like, like, that's something that's good, that you're putting, that's, like, a, like, a quality work, that's a work that you're putting out that you need to put in the quality. Like, you need to, that needs to be you refined. You, that's your chance to refine things, because once that's out, it, it never, you can never revise it. You got one shot to really record it, really. Right, you've got only one shot to do an album. And you you can't, like, goof around, like, in a live show or something. You need to, like, decide, like, how do I definitively want this song to sound for the end of time mm -hmm. for people to listen to? Whether someone listens to it on the CD, played on the radio, played over a PA system, whatever. It's got to sound perfect or good every single time. Yeah, because, like, there have been bands out there that have been, like, burned by that before. Where, like, they said, like, they might sound good live, but, like, when it came time for the album, like, they just couldn't translate that magic. Oh, yeah. And uh, we can also see that Ryusuke is getting really, really intense about all this. Like, even though Kyuki is clearly sick and he's messing up, he, he, go, he goes all like, Hey, Kyuki, what the hell was that? Come on, get it together. Like, he's getting intense. Hard-ass mode. Mm. And uh, eventually, Kyuki passes out and ends up having a really weird dream where a bunch of famous musicians are uh, picking up trash after a Beck concert. You see this? <laughs> It's kind of like a weird symbolic dream where you've got like where you, you see like uh, he's seen uh, John Lennon and uh, Freddie Mercury <laughs> picking up trash at a sh at a show and uh, it's kind of like what does it mean, man? 
Also, credit to whoever did that uh, John Lennon impression here. <laughs> Speaking of trash after you. He's quite good. <laughs> but uh, they are eventually able to complete the album with uh, their three songs on there. And I like how when they're listening to it, Chiba is just moved to his t- moved to tears by just listening to his rap. He's just like, perfect. All right, time for uh, Hyodo and Kayuki to finally uh, make peace as uh, Hyodo, you know, wants to, like, bury the hatchet. He tells Kayuki to just punch him in the face once as payback. So he has to do it twice because the first punch was weak. He's like, come on, you can do, you got that. You can do better than that. And they make the peace just in time because we're at the end of the school year. And this is actually Kayuki's final year of middle school. Now he's got to look towards the to high school and the future. And before you know it, the first day of high school is here. Notice how fast the time really moves in the show. I wouldn't say fast, really. Like, I would say it actually moves, like, quite naturally. Oh, yeah, it's, it's very paced well, but it's like, man, it only seems like yesterday we had, we were just in junior high. Now we're in high school. I like that, though. I like that I like that quick path. I like that, like, uh, like it all feels, like, very natural. Like, time is actually progressing at a pretty good rate. And it really shows the progression of the characters, too. I know, right? Like, that, it goes a long way. And, yeah, Koyuki and uh, Saku are in the same high school as Chiba, too. So he's uh, basically kind of their uh, big bro in school now. <laughs> One of the weird details, like, you learned during this period is that, like, Chiba also apparently got elected to, like, class president. Yeah, because no one else wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so irregular for him. But I can see it. I can totally see him running, running the school as class president. Like, I can, I can actually imagine him keeping others in line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just walks down the hall and everyone's all like, oh, dang, it's Chiba. Just uh, stay calm. Hey, hey, Chiba, how's it going? Well, they probably heard about how he kicked the shit out of Rikia before. Yeah. <laughs> like, his old school. They don't want to get big-dogged. <laughs> yeah. Or outside of school, rather. <laughs> and since enough time has passed, it's time for Kuyuki to, to upgrade his axe. And uh, you like this uh, little mini-feud with the guitar store clerk here while they're trying to find a new guitar? <laughs> well, I just like this clerk in particular, because uh, you, you learn that, like, he had his own shot at, like, becoming a rock star before, but, like, things kind of fell apart, and, uh... Yeah, he's he's not around as like often. He's not like really around too much as much as a uh, uh, Saito is in the series. But he does make an impact, just like with his uh, appearance and like his whole like attitude and like love for these like young up and comers. Yeah, Kenji Takano, played here by Chris Rager, and uh, I like the gimmick that he comes in where he's like he started a band when he was younger, and he says like I won't cut my hair until we get like a record deal. And we see him; he's got like long hair down to his shoulders, and his band is broken up. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be like the the he's gonna be the Rapunzel of washed up rockdom. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the opposite of uh, WrestleMania twenty eight Undertaker. You know, Undertaker wants a match with Triple H, but he starts cutting his hair until the day he gets the match, and then by the time WrestleMania twenty eight comes around, he's bald. <laughs> Kenji here though, he's just like by like age like eighty six, he's just gonna look like cousin it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> still waiting on that record deal. <laughs> It'll happen one day. But uh, Kayuki does find his new guitar in the form of a Fender Telecaster. And uh, Takano is able to get him a sweet deal since him and Tyra are tight. But uh, he's a little too self-conscious to buy it now, you know? He's just like, not yet. I, I want to wait till the right moment. I just felt something visceral when I saw those tags in the store that just said, ask for price. That <laughs> 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 just looks like a Pandora's box right there. <laughs> it's almost like a warning. Like, do you really want to know how expensive this thing is? No, just try me. Amuse me. <laughs> Make my day. Ask me how much this guitar costs. 
Because do you really want to be the guy who asked that question and is then told, you can't afford it? Yeah. No, but really, what's the price? You can't afford it. Or being asked, like, why do you want to buy it? And having to, like, give a story that is, like, either, like, oh, I saw this uh, musician I, like, had the same guitar. I think it's really cool. It's like, oh, you think it's cool, huh? That's why you want to buy it? Do you honestly get what, why this guitar is good? <laughs> You'd just be like... You know, never mind. <laughs> and you just walk out. <laughs> humili- just and you just walk out humiliated. You just sandbagged me in front of the whole store. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the plot starts to thinking on Erica's death as Eddie Lee gets bullets in the mail. So it looks like whoever got hurt is coming after him. Yeah, really teasing out the really teasing out this little conflict right here. Yeah, he even gets threatened in the bathroom by a big scary guy with a gun. Yeah, like, this This is going to pay off, folks. All, all of this, like, talk of death and people dying in bullets. Like, this scene here where he's just, like, this big huge guy comes in and goes, like, hey, get that thing I sent you? I, I asked, did you get that thing I sent you? The bullets. And then just proceeds to get beaten up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a payoff is coming. Like, did you ever think Beck would have a subplot like this involving, like, murder and possibly, like, I don't know, a crime to crime organization hell no no <laughs> like th- like things are gonna get things are gonna get real real soon we also move back towards uh kayuki and maho's relationship but uh we start focusing more on yoshida and yeah this guy is a fucking asshole like even fucks over kayuki at a party saying all like oh yeah come over here with a suit and tie and a gift oh sorry you can't come over here it's a friends only kind of thing it just leaves him out in the cold God, the, the the ones that go behind your back like that, they're the worst types of people. And it's like, Kuyuki's already dealt with Hyodo and Riki, he doesn't need more bullies. But uh, in lighter news, Beck is finally getting noticed during one of their gigs. A record producer from Chicago has uh, taken a notice with him, and uh, Ryusuke gets in contact with the producer, and he wants the Southern music in the U.S. So uh, I guess you can say they are made to hit in America. And meanwhile, Kuyuki finally gets his Telecaster, and it's just so nice to see good things happen to him. Like, <laughs> with all the shit that he kind of goes through at times, like, you know, you deserve it. Yeah, you, it's, it makes you, like, you've yeah, been through, like, quite a bit of shit, but, like, when, and when things go just right, you appreciate them all the more. And I like how when he's getting the guitar, he's all like, where's the guitar? And he sees, like, oh, another guy from a popular band is, like, playing with it for a bit. And then he's like, no, you can have it. He's like, nah, not my thing. You can take it. It's like, ah, that's cool. So later on at school, Koyuki runs into a new girl, a girl that he's also bumped into at his uh, side job. Careful now, Koyuki, you're not really great when it comes to girls. <laughs> anyway, this is Hiromi Masuoka, played here by Laura Bailey. Ah, always a pleasure. And yeah, I think I mentioned this in the Fruits Basket episode. It's fascinating to see like her early roles, considering where she is now. Mm-hmm. And later on, Ryusuke gets word that Beck's album is selling well in the States. Bad news, though, is that uh, their contract didn't say anything about royalties. <laughs> So whether they sell one or one million, they get nothing. Ah, you get paid in the exposure. Ah, exposure. <laughs> <laughs> the the original microtransaction yeah. <laughs> currency. Oh, that's the, the life of a gig band. <laughs> actually, would that be beer tickets? Oh, yeah, beer tickets. <laughs> hey, one free beer ticket. Well, what do we do with it? It's like, guys... It's beer. <laughs> so wait, we get, we play and we get more of these tickets? Well, we just get free beer. We didn't have to get tickets before. <laughs> you might as well just put in that like short clip from Metalocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice job, guys. You almost sound like the real thing. Anyway, here's a few beer tickets. One house. Beer tickets. I think he said beer tickets. I don't beer know. Tickets. 
I don't know what that is. Ted, good for any of the cheap domestics. Yeah, let's try your little theory out, Ted. Right, you do it. I'm not doing it. Well, I'll do it. I don't care. Yeah, do it, Pickles. Go. See what, no, you, see what happens. Yeah. See what happens. Stand away from him. Go. Go, 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 go. Yeah, you have a beer ticket for one beer, please. What is he doing? What happened? Guys, it's a beer. You mean that that thing that he gives you ends like little money's what's on only for beers? How come this clock never get beer tickets before? Yeah, what the hell? Okay, this is bullshit, all right? All we ever get is all the booze we can drink. We never get beer tickets. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, around this time, we get the story behind uh, Ryusuke's uh, guitar, Prudence Lucille. As uh, he and Eddie actually stole it from a car. And uh, they, we do actually find the history behind its name. And it's actually pretty similar to the real B.B. King's Lucille. Minus the gunshots. But uh, involved like two men fighting over a woman. And then uh, the guy defending himself with the guitar over the guy unloading sh six shots on him. That's still also a pretty good origin. That is really cool. Like anything involving, you know, violence and murder and... A woman. It's always great. <laughs> <laughs> makes for makes for a good makes for a good story. You know, something to bring up at parties. Mm -hmm. And uh, the night that he stole the, the guitar, Ryusuke also found Beck. Though it doesn't explain why he looks like a science experiment gone wrong. Do we need to know? No, he's just a weird dog. He's just Beck. <laughs> yeah, still a good boy. But uh, it turns out that guitar and uh, Beck's original owner is in Japan looking for for Ryusuke. So uh, it's. It's all starting to come crashing down for him. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. no, we get some more nice moments here. Like, I do like something as simple as uh, Kuyuki and uh, Ryusuke bonding over something as just coming up with new songs, you know. I just really love the relationship. Yeah, like, they, they, they have their rough moments, but, like, they do have a genuine respect and friendship like, for each they're, other. Like, at this point, they'll be tight no matter what. Like, you can't break them apart. Yeah. But uh, back with the record label deal, Ryusuke gets a bunch of copies of their American albums, and he's shocked to see uh, what they used as the cover art. It's a picture of him playing Lucille, and that's really, really bad. Just front and center with this guitar with six shots in it. Yeah, the, the other funny, the other funny part about it is like uh, the name on there. <laughs> oh yeah, their 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 name in America, Mongolian Chop Squad. Because you, you can't you can't name your band Beck and not have that conflict with like the American musician. Yeah. If you're trying to sell your music in America. It's very JoJo when you think about it. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it really is. But where did the name Mongolian Chop Squad come from? I think they just uh, in the show they say that like uh, they actually kayfabe it saying like oh Beck won't sell Mongolian Chop Squad. That's a that's a proper name for a band. Like something random off the cup. Yeah. Cuff. Though, like, uh, two things. One, uh, when Beck was actually being marketed in the U.S., like, in real life for the DVDs, they actually did market it as just Mongolian Chop Squad. So, ah. <laughs> so keeping kayfabe alive in real life. I love that. That's great. I mean, it makes it, it, makes it a little bit harder to find the work. <laughs> but, man, that, that, that's such a great way to, like, like kayfabe it's it. It's amazing. And uh, number two. Where does an American record label calling a Japanese rock band Mongolian Chop Squad land on racism? Oh, oh that's, a, that's actually a good question. Here you are racist now, Albin. I, I didn't consider that, actually. Yeah, just, just like, ah, what do, we, what do we call this Asian band? I don't know, uh, Mongolian Chop Squad, whatever. That was a little bit of a racist thing to... That was, that was a little slightly racist to say off the cuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to check your biases there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But, okay, we could go for the other name, the Orient Express. Oh God, no! <laughs> Chop Squad works. <laughs> but yeah, big thing is uh, Ryusuke is in trouble, 
as a man named Leon Sykes, played here by Daniel Drum, comes to Tokyo, and his first act there is cornering Ryusuke in his house in a fucking helicopter. And again, did you expect this whole watching back? No. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, Ryusuke is being like held up at gunpoint. <laughs> Also, uh, by a guy in a suit. <laughs> and his house is surrounded by goons. Hired goons. It's like, this is wild. Though he really only interacts with, like, uh, like one goon and, like, the, the guy he's fucking, he fucked over. <laughs> yeah, a goon that's really trigger-happy, wanting to just put a bullet in Ryusuke's head. So, so what are these guys' deal? So, uh, yeah, Ryusuke gets kidnapped by these guys along with Becky and the guitar. Also, I want to say that uh, Ryusuke's grandma, totally calm about all this. Her grandson's missing, and, is, and she's all like, oh yeah, she's, he's just walk, walking back, he'll be fine. Doesn't know at all he's been, like, abducted and is, like, being put at gunpoint. Uh, but yeah, Leon here, he's the, the original owner of the guitar and Beck, so he wants revenge because, uh, you know, they stole his property. Can't be doing that. So wait a second, like, like is, is he based in Japan currently and, like, took a, like, helicopter here, or...? No, he's based in America, but he came over because he's doing a concert tour and just so happens to find Ryusuke because of the Mongolian Chop Squad CD. So he gets access to, like, while he's in Japan, he gets access to a helicopter? Hey, he's a major star. And is able to do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, the one thing that throws me off is, like, the gun. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you get past that security? Yeah, how'd you get that past security? you know, this is 2004. This is post-9-11. Well, like, not only that, but it's like, we're talking about Japan. Yeah. Like, strict gun laws. Yeah, no, no tolerance gun laws. Right, right. You can really only, like, own one if you're, like, hunting or something. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I guess it just, I, I guess if anything, it actually does help to uh, bring home the fact that, like, these guys are doing really illegal shit. And I feel maybe this is the reason why they changed the name from Lucille to Prudence, because they don't want to, like... I don't know, maybe B.B. King's estate doesn't want to be associated with guys like this. Oh, yeah, that's probably the big reason. Like, yeah, wouldn't want to be, like, wouldn't want to be associated with, like, real kill, with, like, like killers within your own show. It's like, B.B. King, he's a cool blues mu musician. He's not, like, a crime boss out to kill people for stealing his guitars. Right, right. He's had many Lucille's. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So, uh, after roughing him up a bit, Leon takes Ryusuke to meet his uncle, John Lee Davis, played here by Lawrence Fernando. Now, this is a blues musician right here. Like, the bluesiest blues mu musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, he takes it a little easier on Ryusuke, you know? And the two have a bit of a jam session. And he's very impressed with his work, you know, saying that he's the next uh, Sunny Boy, which is a musician that uh, Ryusuke looks up to. So he can convinces Leon not to kill him and uh, is able to dump him back at home after uh, four days after his kidnapping. But uh, Ryusuke's not, like, out of the purview of Sykes. No, he's still got his eye on him, even though he's not going to kill him now. Yeah. But uh, Sykes does have to keep Beck and uh, the guitar with him. Yeah, but Beck, like, just out of the series now. Yeah, Beck is gone. And he's out of the eye catches for the series now. Yeah, they replaced it with, like, a little stuffed toy in his, like, his uh, donkey toys. Like, aww. <laughs> That's sad. I mean, we still have Paige, but... Uh... Not the dog. Aww. It's not the same without Beck. <laughs> no. Eating flies in the eye catcher. You even see, like, Ryusuke try to, like, in the in the future, try to give Sykes, like, uh, treats and stuff. Like, yeah, Beck likes these. Yeah. Like, feed him these. He's like, Why the fuck are you bringing me these doggy treats? I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, while Ryusuke, uh, you know, uh, decompresses here, uh, Kuyuki and Saku are looking after the fishing pond for him and are visited by one of the managers of the Grateful Sound Festival, Kazuo Sato, played here by Pam Doherty. 
who is uh, very excited to meet Koyuki after seeing him sing in the uh, Dying Breed documentary as that's starting to be released. And speaking of which, Maho invites Koyuki to go see it while the rest of Beck uh, sweet-talk the manager. Unfortunately, that asshole Yoshida was there, too. It's like, God, this guy gets a go-away heat from me. I'm just like, leave my screen. I don't want to see you. <laughs> but uh, they get to the scene where Koyuki sings Moon on the Water with Dying Breed, and he's a movie star! And you can see Yoshida just sink into a seat going all like, Ugh. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a quite a quite a good moment. It's like, oh, what what's that up there? Why that's Koyuki. He's a star. Uh, are you up there? No, you're not up there. It's Koyuki, not you. He's a bigger star than you. Well, I I really appreciate like the realness of the moment as he's just staring up at it. Like Maho's looking over at him. Like neither of them are saying a word. Like they're just transfixed. Like it feels like you're. It feels like someone actually seeing themselves. Within a major, like, like motion feature. Yeah. With one of the greatest rock bands in the U.S. Like, it feels... Singing one of their popular songs. It feels big. It is. But back with Kazuo, as she wants Dying Breed for Grateful Sound, and she wants Ryusuke to get in touch with Eddie, be kind of, uh, you know, kind of being, like, a peacemaker between the two. And Ryusuke agrees on one condition, Beck gets to perform, too. And later that night, all the members talk about the uh, similar dream, the trash-picking dream with all the musicians before, and how they've all had it, and thinking, like, it's a bit of a sign. Except for Chiba, though, we see his dreams, and it's uh, 3D models having sex. <laughs> Very specific dream. I mean, doesn't surprise me. Like with, but with like computer, like specific like computer graphics. Yeah, with like a little robot stooping some sexy 3D model lady. <laughs> I didn't know your dreams came with a graphics card. Yeah. Uh, you guys dream of musicians. All I dream of is naked polygons. Chiba, are you part robot? Maybe. <laughs> oh, afterwards, we get a scene where uh, Ryusuke and Maho visit Koyuki at his place. Ryusuke is starting to realize, you know what? I don't want to be a third wheel. You two, just hang out. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> and Maho spends the night here, and we actually get a scene where, like, uh, she invites Koyuki to kind of sleep in the same bed. You know, like, nah, you're not sleeping on the floor. You're sleeping up here. And it's actually a really sweet scene. And also still awkward. Very awkward. <laughs> Like, we find out that neither of them slept that night. <laughs> yeah, Ma- Maho's still not being very forward with her feelings with Koyuki, but even by this point in the series. But she does get something out where she, like, talks about the movie and she says, I love the movie, especially the part where you were in it. It's like, ah, that's good. But, like, Koyuki, read between the lines, man. She's into you. Come on. But, like, her feelings are also, like, really awkward, too. Like, she's, like, she doesn't, she's not really making it clear if, like, she really wants a future with him, too. Yeah, it's just, uh, these kids. Like, a lot, of, like, the awkwardness also comes from, like, her and her uncertainty as well, too. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Ko- Koyuki also just, yeah, just re- really not sure if he should, like, make that move first. Mm-hmm, it's like, do I really like Maho? Also, am I into this girl, Hiromi? Like, what's going on here? The field here is a minefield. It, like, I already got past Izumi, it's like, I don't need two more girls in my life. So the next day, Ryusuke and Leon come face-to-face again. You know, he wants to have support going into Grateful Sound, and he's the only one who can do it. And Leon, he will take it under consideration, under some conditions that we'll find out later. Uh, Meanwhile, Ryusuke wants to make a new CD, and they write new songs for it. And uh, they also want a CD that they can make royalties off of this time. (laughs) And we also see some other stuff, like uh, 
like uh, we see that Tyra is starting to embrace like the, the fact that he's based off Flea, where like he's now performing with his shirt off now, <laughs> which he will for the rest of the series. It's a good look for him. It is. It works. Yeah. <laughs> Especially it's 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 even more interesting given that he's the more reserved member of the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's almost like the quiet guy of the band just like going like pantsless or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, we also see that Chiba's in like a hip hop group. See this? <laughs> <laughs> Seems on brand for him. And uh, Justin Cook. Not a bad rapper here. Not bad, not, not bad. bad. And having to also match lip flaps too. I I think he perfectly gets across the uh, the kind of wild eagerness, like raw eagerness of like Chibo when he's like rapping. Mm-hmm. Like he may not be the best, like or anything, like but like he really gets across that like reckless uh, that reckless abandon. Like he doesn't give a flying fuck what you think of him, but like he's just gonna like belt it out and he's gonna have fun doing it's it. The one, two, twenty four seven. Yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. right? It's infectious. <laughs> And we hear a lot of that one in particular throughout the show. Oh, yeah, series. that's that's like the go-to of the series, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, and that night, uh, Maho comes over to Koyuki's house again. And this time they go looking for Paige, who's uh, staying over at uh, Koyuki's place as uh, he runs away during uh, during the night. And uh, Koyuki actually starts talking about how, like, throughout his life, you know, he always saw himself as just very average, very run-of-the-mill. Though uh, Maho does have the, the exact opposite opinion, that he actually is very special. You know, he needs to really see it. And I'm like, that's really good. That's a really good lesson right there. And once again, read between the lines, man. Uh, later at home, Koyuki starts strumming an improvised melody on his guitar. And it's so beautiful that it actually brings Paige back. And he actually starts singing to the song. Oh! Like, yes! Oh, finally got Birdie to sing. You got something wor- worth it, man. And he shows the song off to Ryusuke, and he thinks, that's what we need to get into Grateful Sound. And he also makes a deal with Leon, too, about, about all this. And uh, I also want to bring up, starting with this episode, episode 21, uh, we get a new ending, which is uh, Maho singing Moon on the Water, which is sung by Breed and Plenty in the dub. We're about, get, we're, we're about to get into the end game here, folks. Yeah, this is final act stuff, at least for this part of the entire entirety of Beck. Yep. So time for the greatest summer of Beck's lives to begin. And uh, it really does live up to that. It does. This is like, and perfect for doing the greatest summer of Beck's life in summer music. So yeah, I'll, I'll summer all the time. Yes. So Beck tries to improve the new song, and Koyuki tries to write lyrics for it at uh, Ryusuke's request. And Saito then tries to help Koyuki comes up with some uh, lyrics, and surprisingly for him, the lyrics work. Everyone loves him, even though they hear uh, Saito singing on it and going like, hey, what, what, why, is it, why is he singing? <laughs> no, but uh, the like surprise, surprisingly good songwriter, that guy, though. Yeah. I've been impressed even them. He's got some skills. Like, better than uh, Koyuki, which uh, Ryusuke calls a uh, calls him a second-rate Jim Morrison. <laughs> also, I want to bring up uh, the scene where, like, Koyuki's rushing towards uh, Ryusuke's house on his bike. Like, really solid animation there. Well, yeah, like, we haven't really talked much about, like, the animation in the series. But, like, the, like overall, the series looks incredibly good. It does. Like, and I mean, it's got its moments of, like, uh, like cheapness. But, like, that's small, com- small potatoes overall. Yeah, and, like, you know, 2004 anime, what are you going to do? I know, but like, w- like I still think like they use the budget like properly, like where it counts, where it counts, Especially like in the in the in the in the, in the uh, in the backgrounds to like really get in like the uh, overall production design of the series. Definitely, like the series looks like like a rock club. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it knows what they look like. It, they know how to draw them. They know how to like nail the uh, like the vibes visually. You know, and Kobayashi style works really 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 well and the staff really knew how to like like nail like the fretting on guitars like the drumming like that fucking counts that like that is good effort yeah i think it was like a combination of uh 
for the fretting, uh, CGI and also uh, rotoscoping to get it really right. That that does certainly help. Yeah. That really does help because like because fretting it's it's like because like fretting and playing it's very fast mm-hmm. and it's in like it involves a lot of like precision work when animating. Like it took Metal Apocalypse like what three seasons to get that right. Yeah, yeah. Like they, even they had to kind of like uh, refine that as well. Mm-hmm. But like man, like when you when you care about that, people notice that, and <laughs> that goes that that really does count. <laughs> yeah, like even the CG for early two thousands anime TV CG. Not bad. It's not It's not super noticeable. Not that noticeable at all. No, not at all. Yeah. So, yeah, like, visually the series has been just, like, like really, like, like, on, like, on, like, on track. Like, it makes you want to see how good uh, Paradise Kiss looks if this is, like, what Kobayashi's bringing to the table. Yeah, I would wonder, actually, since that deals with, like, a, like, a little less visually, like, uh, demanding, mm-hmm. like, subject matter, like, yeah. modeling and whatnot. Modeling fashion. Yeah. So they refined the song, and the song we called Slip Out, which we'll get to, but it's it's a good song. <laughs> so the band departs for a grateful sound where they will perform on the smallest of the three stages, as Ryusuke reveals uh, Leon's conditions to uh, Chiba and Tyra, as uh, he will have the rights to the band's next releases as well as the promotion over the band. And Ryusuke also reveals that he in turn established one condition of his own. Sykes will have to forget all about stealing Beck and Lucille if the band gets the biggest crowd in the festival. So yeah, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Yeesh. Yeah, like it's 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 your moment to shine, guys. And uh, more bets as uh, Yoshido is also playing at Grateful Sound in uh, Ag's band, the girly pop band. There, <laughs> and he proposes that if uh, Maho turns up at his show, then Koyuki can never see her again, and vice versa. So, dude, you could just not take that deal. Just either. say no. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> then again, the chance to never see him again. That's that's also very tempting. That's. That's a that's a good one. I, in that case, I would take the bet. And if I lose, fuck it, I go back on it. Like I, I'm not gonna show honor to you. You're not no. my friend. <laughs> fuck you. I had my fingers crossed. <laughs> Either way, I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, we get to, like a scene where like he fucks around with Koyuki a bit, where like he gets him to perform with like this uh, one rock band, but uh, doesn't know the words to the song. For what it's worth, it's been a while since we had interacted with with him for a while, like Yoshido, so it's like, we kind of need to be, we, I think we needed, like, a real reminder that this guy has not changed at all. No, not at all. Like, he's still, like, fucking with Koyuki, Koyuki behind his back. And also the scene here where Koyuki's performing with this uh, foreign rock band and getting booed off stage because he doesn't know the words, uh, the dub did actually a good job of hiding this, because in the Japanese version, this was, like, an American band. And uh, the song was in English, and he didn't know English, and that's why everyone booed. Ah, right. Whereas in the dub, they just say oh, that. That's kind of hard. To, that's kind of hard to change up. Yeah, in the dub, they just said he just didn't know the words, or Yoshido taught him the wrong words to a different song. Right, right. Or I thought it was more like he didn't like know the song. Period. Mm-hmm. Like it was one he just wasn't familiar with. Yeah. Right, and he was just told different. That's that's. I think that's what I kind of heard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that that works. But yeah, that one that was that's a tough one because it like makes much more sense in like the original where it's like, oh yeah, he went like no like an entire English song mm-hmm. by heart. And like even the Probably, scene where he's talking, maybe, yeah. even in the scene where he's talking to them, they just like made it that he was just awkward around them. Whereas in the Japanese version, like they were speaking English, he didn't know English, so he's like, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Right, right. It comes across as like a much more big fucking up, fucking up, fucking up in like the original. Yeah, so good on the dub team for kind of hiding that and adapting it better. Yeah, yeah, you did a good job there. So the Grateful Sound Festival is on with Bell M on the pr- primary stage, Malcolm, a sex managed rapper, on the second stage, and Beck on the third and smallest stage. 
And uh, we get some dissension in the ranks as Chiba quits as he's getting super pissed about Ryusuke talking about the uh, trash picking up dream. And he's upset that he's the only one who didn't have the dream. So they have a falling out and Chiba's all like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Screw you guys. Ryusuke in particular during like this entire time like also just feels kind of weird in general as well. Yeah, he's very his, eye, his, his eyes in general looked kind of like sunken and he was like throwing up at one point or something. Yeah, it's like... I, I was kind of wondering what exactly was going on there though because like they didn't like explain it like in depth. I thought it was had something to do with like the deal he made with Leon and how that's just hanging over his head the entire time. Like I wanted, I wanted to believe that too. Like he's like he's like his eyes are sunken because he's not getting sleep. Like he's throwing up because he's like actually nervous. Like mm-hmm. at the same time, though, it also kind of came across like equally like he was physically sick. Yeah, he looked physically. sick. Yeah, he looked physically sick, and I was I was kind of confused by that. Like I think I think like you are right. Like the original intention was that like like the pressure here is legitimately getting to him because if they fail, then Beck's done. Even though, but he's trying not to show it, even though, like, he's, his eyes are sunk like he hasn't gotten sleep. Yeah. And he's throwing up due to nervousness. Because. But it also kind of looks like he's just actually, like, sick with something. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, Ryusuke, did you, did you eat something bad last night? <laughs> <laughs> did, did you eat some bad lettuce at Chipotle? <laughs> are you crapping out your insides, too? <laughs> uh... Sorry to do sorry to do you dirty there. Oh, I'll bring up my most embarrassing con moment. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. That's nah, good. <laughs> you gotta laugh at these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to make matters worse with this whole thing, uh more issues with uh Kuyuki and Maho's relationship as uh while looking for Chiba, one of Maho's friends attempts to know Koyuki and then Maho walks in on them and she's all like, screw you. And he's like, and I'm like, ah, fuck, come on. <laughs> Uh, why does this have to happen? Uh. Eventually, the remaining band members think of quitting due to the rain and being unable to find Chiba, so everything's fucked at this point. But, against all odds, Koyuki decides to go up on stage with an acoustic guitar in his hand and starts to play by himself. Also, I'll see a bit of that. Koyuki, wait! I'm going. Koyuki... Why is Koyuki the only one going up on stage? That's the kid in the Dying Breed movie, right? Koyuki! You rock, man! Thank you, everyone. I can't express this emotion, this emotion in me. can't express this emotion, no, make my mind free. Yeah! 
Sounds completely different. Oh, yeah. Smart kid. Taking an existing tune and making it your own. They'll love you. This song is good. Fuck yeah! Pay attention. Singer's a friend of mine. Tanaka! Hey, you, kid, are you hearing this? If you're planning on getting up there, now would be the time. <laughs> it's not like that. This is Koyuki's moment. I'm not about to cut in on what he's doing. At this point, it's all his. Come on, let me talk to you. This is the finest hour of Beck right here. We're at that moment, folks. This is this is the main event of the show, and what a way to kind of close out the end game here. Like this is 100% an amazing moment. Because you have this moment, like they, they only have 500 people at their show. They're nowhere near beating the goal they need that the head count that they need to. And then here comes Koyuki out on stage first, just bravely, bravely faces that entire crowd alone, and just starts like strumming his guitar and singing the lone one up there. And then who follows him up afterwards? Saku to play drums to back him up. Yes. <laughs> But then, and then this crowd starts like, kind of being like, okay, this is okay, this is okay, we're kind of liking this, this oh. is all right. And then like Tyra, <laughs> then comes up, and he and he pulls his shirt off, yep, flea style, <laughs> yes, <laughs> picks up his bass and he starts like contributing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the crowd is really starting to like kind of get into it, like, oh, this is fun. These guys are cool, and people and more people start like coming in. And then, like, <laughs> and then before you know it, like, like people are actually starting to kind of, like, bum in over from, like, the other, like, concert. Yeah, because the rain has screwed up all the equipment. Like, the other bands can't properly play. Because this is, this, this is where, like, it starts getting really good. Because, like, the rain is ruining stage two's performance. <laughs> but not stage three. Nope. <laughs> stage three is getting by just fine. Mm-hmm. Well, what's what's what gets even funnier is that as this is going on, stage two is getting screwed over by the uh, the rowdy fans that are like trying to like break the barriers. Yeah, and like the band there, um, and then AEG and like Bell Am, like their 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 show is getting screwed over by like rowdy fans and like the equipment's not going well, so they have to like stop the show <laughs> and then restart it up multiple times. It's the it's it's like everything that could go wrong during the performance. Absolutely is. Oh, and also Yoshido is, like, performing with them as well. Yep, he's part of the band, too. And, and he's being a total drama queen 
and can't like handle all these all these like startups and like us uh, and like start and uh, shutdowns and whatnot. And he can't handle all like the rowdy fans, you know, like they're all pissing him off. <laughs> and like in between each start stop, they have like uh, the broadcast of stage three on like the video board. They're live streaming it to like the other. Stages. I know because they gotta because they gotta fill in like the the gaps. They gotta show something. Yeah. So all the so all so so many of the people during their performance are then like, screw this, like we're going to like stage three. Yeah, like no, at least they're actually performing. They're actually performing and they're sounding pretty good. Mm-hmm. I love the moment where like ver- like um the like the audio's not on for like the the video of the performance at first. So the organizers try to get that on. It's like get the audio on, get the audio on. We want to hear it. <laughs> and it's only on for a brief moment, but that's enough to get even more people going over to see Beck. Like, oh man, this guy's voice is good. Let's go over to stage 3 now. <laughs> it's and then the head count starts going up like that like uh, like like it goes up to like a thousand people. Like the shots of like the uh attendance with the clickers just counting every single head just like and just going up and up and up until like the thousands their thumbs getting tired yeah. and they're like where are all these people coming from and then who else comes onto the stage ryusuke ryusuke returns with lucille with lucille <laughs> he was actually given lucille for the performance yeah you got to borrow it just this once and, like, Sykes is even, like, being, like, weirded out by this. Like, what the hell? Like, what's going on with stage two? <laughs> and then he's... And then guy even Malcolm he, just left. And then even he goes over there and he's, like, speechless. Like, takes off his shades and just goes all, like, wow. He, like, he just kind of knows he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, like, like, am I actually going to lose this bet? <laughs> As it starts getting up to, like, 3,000 people. <laughs> And then who hits this? Who is the last one to hit the stage? Chiba, after being kidnapped. After being kidnapped by staff because he was fucking up and like getting violent with people and like <laughs> acting out like a spoiled brat, <laughs> he gets rushed to the stage, and he and like he finally joins them after Koyuki has like sung his lungs out. Yeah, and this is going on for like minutes on end. Like he's sing singing the same song. As long as it takes to get everyone there. And what is he... Oh, and what is Koyuki also singing during this? Ah, so yeah, interesting thing about this. In the Japanese version, Koyuki was actually singing uh, the Beatles song, I've Got a Feeling. But it had new uh, instrumentals to, you know, count for, like, the acoustic guitar and, like, all the different instruments. In the dub, uh, same instrumentals, but instead of I Got a Feeling, he sings the lyrics to uh, 50 Cent Wisdom by Beat Crusaders. Because they, they couldn't legally use the lyrics to the Beatles song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that probably would have caused, like, a mess of copyright problems. And funnily enough, when you look yeah, at... Yeah, because, like, for, like, a long time, the Beatles did not like having their, like, music played elsewhere. No, 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 no. Like, or, like, whoever's, like, the like the owners today and stuff. Like, they've been very, like, like copy... They've been, like, total, like, annoyances in, like, the sphere of copyright. And the funny thing is, like... When you look at the lyrics to both I Got a Feeling and 50 Cent Wisdom, they're very similar enough where, like, you can totally pass it off. Yes, yes, I love that. It's like, well, we got Beat Crusaders because they do the opening of the show, so we can legally use one of their songs, so it's fine. Right. And it's like, got the perfect storm of just serendipity here. Like, whoo, that is like a genius save right there. That is a (laughs) genius save. God, can you imagine if, like, they couldn't do that, and they just had to like either make up a song or just have Koyuki just go like la 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 or it'd, it'd be a, yeah it'd be a major dilemma. But they like really masterfully avoided that, like and, really really good save there. And I love how 
even in English, they still kept the crowd going all like, hey, I know that song. That song sounds familiar. Because, like, you know, everyone would know a Beatles song. But I don't know if everyone would know a Beat Crusader song. Right, right. Like, whew. They're just all like, hey, isn't that the band that did the opening to Kappa Mikey? It is! <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, yes, Beat Crusaders did do the opening to Kappa Mikey. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weird connection between, like, Beck and Kappa Mikey. <laughs> I guess they were fans. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> you would never connect the two otherwise. And by the way, if you're wondering, no, Kappa Mikey isn't a story about my life. No. I am not a American cartoon living in Japan. Do do not that make that connection, folks. Yeah. At least not yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Chiba then joins the stage, and they proceed to play my favorite song in all of Beck's discography, Brainstorm. I love this song so much. Can you play just a yeah, just snip in a little bit of like the opening of uh like Brainstorm because it is the absolute like biggest banger of of their discography. I absolutely love it. Yeah. The band's all here. Brainstorm, okay? Let's go! of the world discovering Beck's greatness. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Explain to me how the third stage ended up on my screen. 
Mm -hmm. Mr. Sykes! Malcolm is going back to his hotel. <laughs> Handle it, Goldie. I'm on it. Perhaps you can tell me why the third stage is showing on the screen. Yeah, to keep the audience from going nuts. They were getting mad that Malcolm stopped playing. Main stage is shut down, too. We had to put stage three on the screen. Main stage started up again three minutes ago. Yeah, you're fired. My God, they just keep coming. Mm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Thank you very much. What's going on? Malcolm said on the second stage was cut short with the rain, so they put something on the screen. A live feed of Beck's performance. I was right. Unbelievable. It's like a miracle. More like a force of nature. Their music has a whole different energy from the other bands. The audience's response is absolutely genuine. They're truly excited. There you are. Oh my god. Just fucking cool moments and just. If Everyone's this does not so get hyped. you, if this does not get you pumped, nothing will. I just love Chiba just jumping up and down on the stage. Everyone. This is the like the one song the he sounds like he has the most fun during, and they perfectly capture that in the dub. Oh yes, you can you can really like you can really feel him like just like just like pump like jumping like hopping around and like just like really getting with it in the crowd as he's like belting out these lyrics. And then, like, they go through, like, the rest of, like, their uh, album set. You know, they do Chiba's rap. They also do Face, too. And the, and the head count just keeps getting bigger and bigger. 5,000. Like, 5,500. Like 5, I love during Chiba's rap, we cut to a woman in the crowd just getting so excited. Take off her bra and just throw it on stage. Yeah, like a lady that, like, earlier, like, uh, like tried to, like, come on to Koyuki. Yeah, that girl. Yeah. <laughs> and this is shown on the live feed to the other stages, and they're all like, whoa, we gotta see this! And they immediately go to stage three! And they all, <laughs> and they all proceed to completely leave. I wanna see some boobies, come on. Yeah. <laughs> As it gets up to like 8,000 heads. <laughs> like, or no, like 7,000 heads. 7,500. And then more people show up when Koyuki starts singing, and Beck closes it out with one final song, Slip Out. So that's how they got the audience. Damn. Bad little bitch. Love is not a word to serve. Only for a sweet romance. Yeah. Well, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared to death. And I'm scared to keep on going on my way. Yeah. Well, I'm Hey, you know this song? No, I think it's new, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. 
This is so amazing. <laughs> this, oh, like like their finest moment. <laughs> 8,000 people. Over 8,000 people. All the odds were against them. Yeah. And counting, too. They even say, like, okay, they're less than stage one, but there's still more people pouring in. They're going to beat them. Yes. <laughs> and just, and they're left demanding more. Like, they want an encore. As it, like, just ends. And it's like, Beck just put on, like, the performance of a lifetime. Just beat all the odds. They just, like... All t- they all like take their they all take their exits as they're just like as the performance ends and they're just like sweating wildly behind the stage as the crowd is bet like calling for an encore and they and Chiba wants to go back out and they're all like I think we're good <laughs> they all look spent by the end of we that we can't I can't stand up anymore <laughs> oh. and like, Ryusuke also just ducks out entirely yeah he's all he just takes Lucille and I'm just like. I'm out, guys. And, yeah, he's gone. That's it for him. That's it. Like, Koyuki tries to, like, pull him back afterwards, or, like, kind of gauge him afterwards, but he, like, he just, like, kind of makes it clear that, like, I think I'm just spent on Beck for now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's actually done. Like, the last person in the entire band who would actually, like, duck out. Yeah, he's just done. And they're, they're just all collectively, like, I think we're good on Beck for now. I think this is it. To end off on a high note for here, Kuyuki does leave the stage with Maho, and they finally realize that they love each other, and they kiss. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Ugh. All while Moon on the Water plays in the background, too. Episode 24, and like its aftermath in 25. Such a fucking earned moment for the series. It's, god, it's gotta be one of the best, like most cathartic moments I've seen. One of the, yeah, one of the best, yeah, like, such a great, like, one of the best finales out there. Like, if the series just ended here, like, I know there's more, but it's like, if it just ended here, I'd be fine. Well, be from the perspective of the production, they're like, wait, where do we end this series? Where do we we end the anime itself? (laughs) We got 26 episodes, what do we do next? 
and then you're given this golden moment right here. Mm-hmm. Like, like couldn't ask for anything better. Just brilliant. And so the Grateful Sound Festival comes to a close, along with Beck. About a month and a half later, Koyuki gets an unexpected phone call from uh, Kazuo Sato, who takes uh, him to a meeting with Leon Sykes, who saw his performance at Grateful Sound and wants to produce a solo album for him. But Koyuki is all like, no thanks. I'm good. All the members of Beck in this aftermath kind of find themselves in like in like weird positions after this. Yeah, because Yusuke, he's gone AWOL. Chiba wants to leave the band and start his own chain of ramen shops. Tyra's in another band. And Saku is actually transferring schools and won't be hanging around Koyuki anymore. Like, his life, Koyuki's life is starting to go back to what it was like before Beck. Many characters before, like, drifted away out of the story and whatnot. And like, much like, much as you do in life, but... Yeah, that's, yeah, real. They, that's real. They, But they reach this moment now where, like, now even the band members are kind of drifting away a bit here. Like, we done all we could. Let's just go out on top. Let's close things out. As we can't live in a world without Beck. And we gotta get the band back together. But uh, slowly but surely, Koyuki gets all the members back one after the other. I love how he convinced Chiba by saying that uh, his ramen sucks. So it's like, you have no future here. Come back to the band. You kind of feel like Chiba even knew deep down, like, yeah, like he's not done with Beck either. He's like, yeah, you're right. I suck at this. And uh, Tyra's on board under one condition. It has to be everybody. Ryusuke included. So we got to track him down. And I bet you Ryusuke's grandma's probably thinking he's been walking back for months now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'll be back. She's She's like that grandma who just always knows her, like... Like, grandkid is gonna come back just fine. Yep. He'll visit. He'll call me one day. I mean, I'll say this. Ryusuke does have, like, stupid luck at being alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a gnat sometimes. It's hard to kill. I know. <laughs> oh, man. I'd, say, I'd say he's just, like, lucky overall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I gotta bring this up. I hope you noticed this, too. But uh, Tyra's new band. It's the pillows. <laughs> it's band is the pillows. Holy shit! I didn't notice that. Like when that we, slipped past me. Like when we first uh, meet his band, they're playing Last Dinosaur. How did I not fucking notice that? I'm also wondering how you didn't notice the second song because they play Advice, our fucking theme song. Oh my god! Sorry. Yeah, like I, that's totally slipped past me. Yeah, like I was watching this because I, I was focused too much on like Tyra and like the story and the yeah. characters. <laughs> it's like that fucking like went over my head. Like I was marking out super hard. I'm just like, it's our song. What, what are the odds? The song I chose for the theme song of the podcast is being played here. Also, Tyra, you're leaving the pillows. You're in the pillows, dude. You... I mean, dude, I know it's Beck. They're, they're they're your band, you know, like they're your friends. But like, consider the pillows. The pillows. You'll get. You'll be part of one of the greatest anime franchises of all time in Fooly Cooly. <laughs> you get to go up to uh, to Oasis and say like, "Nah, we're not going to open for you because you guys suck." <laughs> <laughs> Tyra, please consider. Please consider, man. You can be in both. You can be in both bands at once, you can, can't you? You pull double duty. Uh, but we do see Ryusuke, and he's uh, making a living as a uh, street musician in New York City, probably hanging around uh, Central Park, you know, <laughs> <laughs> around like fucking like Thoth or some or whatever his name is, yeah, and like the, a da- and like Naked Cowboy. Yeah, and all the buskers around there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, great news comes in the form of an invitation for Beck to do a tour of the U.S. They will hit in America. It's like, yeah, making good on the theme song. It's it's finally come all around. 
and they make it to the States, and we close out on a montage of their tour with uh, a slideshow of uh, pictures Koiki has taken of their tour. A literal slideshow we're ending the series with. <laughs> and uh, and yet I don't feel cheated or slighted. Or no, because uh, we get some back and forth between Koyuki and Maho, and it's like... It, pl- it plays out like it plays out like they're actually watching a slideshow of like the uh, of like uh, Beck's experience over there, like as they were as the four members. And like for the and dub- it's really it actually comes across as really charming. Yeah, and for the dub, it honestly sounded like Greg Ayers and Brina Florencia were in the same room recording. Well, it's well, like yeah, it, it, they they probably were because it sounds actually like Maho and Koiki are like actually like they're just talking. going off the cuff and like, just commenting on each of the riffing slides. on each of the slides. Well, like it feels like there was actually a script to like go off of, but like it felt like they were actually like able to kind of like go loose with like this, uh, the like their lines during like the slideshow. Like this is probably some of the best like most natural conversational dialogue I've probably ever heard in an anime really and where else but like a slideshow where you don't have to match lip syncs or anything yep. <laughs> could you could you actually pull this off that's that's even that's the key and like a slideshow even too where like yeah you can go off the cuff and like like talk about like images as they come and like be quick with like your lines i like some of the images where it's like uh koyuki shows off a hotel and Milo's like oh that's nice and he's like yeah that's the nicest place you stayed in the entire time we're living out of a van <laughs> Like, well, yeah, you see, yeah, you're, like, seeing their experiences over in America. Like, this real, like, band experience of, like, living out of a van and, like, playing a wide variety of, like, menus. Ven- uh, venues. Like, some good, some shitty. At one point, it seems like Tyra played with Weird Al. Because <laughs> we get a guy with long hair and an accordion. Like, that's totally gotta be Weird Al. Yeah. <laughs> Play Skipper Dan. Come on. God, but if if this all just does not feel like stuff that, like... Like, this this all has, like, the real vibe of, like, stuff that was, like, some stuff that probably happened in the manga, and, like, a lot of stuff that, that kind of just, like, got whipped up, you know? Like, like this, like, it's, like, half, like, what, pro- like, stuff that probably got covered in the manga, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit, or or not. Like, I don't know if this is actually something they, like, blew, ba- blew past. I think it is. I want to say it is. But, like, yeah, it, it all has those, like, real vibes of, like, like, God, I wish we had more time. Yeah, 26 episodes isn't enough. Yeah. I would love another another season. But still feels, like, real and satisfying, though. That, like, sure, like, there's this whole, like, period you didn't see or anything, but, like, but, like, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Like, like, we're all, like, they're all still fine in the end. Like, they still lived the rock star experience. Like, they still had fun. They still laughed and lived. Like, we know Beck is good. Like, we've seen them throughout the series. Like, we know that they can handle this. They'll be fine in America. And then we, and then we, but, like, we still end off, like, quite fine, I think, as, like, the, the audio cuts to, um, when Koyuki and Ryusuke finally reunited. Mm-hmm. And Beck is barking around. Yep. As, uh, they run into him in Seattle, and now the band is back together, officially, ready to hit up the rest of this U.S. tour, this, like, 46-city tour. And so, the show comes to close, Beck back together hitting in America. Curtain down. For now, as the manga keeps going after the anime ended. If you want more, pick up at around chapter 33 if you want to continue. I got a feeling, a feeling I can't 
What can you say about it, man? It's, right? <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the the, the best anime about music, period. I and no like because like, like I I had watched like others before this, you know, but like none of them compared to this though. Like this kind of experience. This this really does capture not just like not just like believable characters, but like a believable like culture of music. Like that like that's that that is really something I love so much about Beck. It really captures like the life of trying, like the life and difficulties of trying to be a musician, like it, it really does that. It's 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 a series that really pulls it off quite masterfully. Oh, absolutely! Like you know, earlier talking about how like how I first heard of Beck by getting into a debate either over like whether this or Kon is better, and I thought like, eh, they're both about the same. You know, they gave me the warm feeling. But after talking about it for like what almost three hours right now, it's like kind of got to give the edge to Beck. Like, they're both completely different beasts in their own right, but, like, Beck just... Goddamn, this is, like... This is honestly, like, one of the best music animes I've ever seen. Even compared to, like, some of the stuff that we're going to get to later on. Like, it's got some tough competition. This is one of the greats! This is, like... And it always will be! It's earned its, like, status as an anime classic. I, I can't think of many other, like, works, even over here in the U.S., that have captured, like, the experience of trying to be, like... A rock musician as like perfectly as this right like all the hardships like all of, like the like the, the the like like the practicing like the music making process like writing lyrics or whatever or, like trying to find inspiration like it all feels so freaking real to yeah. me yeah like i know metal Aquips does that but more than like in a satire jokey manner but like this is like as real as it can get I know, it, it, it all feels, like, so authentic, like, all the characters, and, like, their experiences, and, like, their frustrations with each other, like, every... Relationship-wise, music-wise, everything. Right, like, they're all their own characters, but it all speaks to, like, a larger, livid experience. And, like, I gotta give it up to, like, the original mangaka, and, like, the production, too, for, like, perfectly capturing that life, that culture, like, that time to be alive as a musician. Absolutely, and just Osama Kobayashi, like, what a legacy he left with this series. I know, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I really don't know if we ever will get another anime like this ever no, again. Probably not. Even modern music anime, like you, like I, like I just don't see period them getting made like this anymore. No, like as much as I love Love Live, like it can't be like Beck. As much as I love it, it can't be like the show. No, not at all. No. Yeah, I can't even imagine anyone trying to pick this up or do something like this ever again, really. God, I need, I wouldn't even know, like, even without, like, his, like, without, without that direction, I don't even know if you could even continue it. Like, you really might have to just only just read the manga. Yeah, because the series came out in 2004, ended in 2005. It's currently 2021 now. I don't know if modern audiences could... I don't know, could they accept this? I think they... Like, here's the, like, I, I don't know if that's, like, so much the question. It's just, like, you would need, like, passionate people and the money to, to put for towards, towards it. Mm-hmm. Like, in order to, like, do a continuation like that, you wouldn't have to care about money. And in the current market and industry, you, like, they care about money. Yeah. They care, they care about, like, sales and whether you can make 
merch off of stuff. Like, like, can this sell? Like everything. And has Beck to... is not that kind of anime that sells in the normal sense, in like the sense they want. Because like in the way the modern industry wants. Because like everything nowadays has to be like an adaptation based on something that they, that we can profit off now. Yes. In the moment. Exactly. And like with Beck, it's like 16 years too late and like as far as merch goes, the most you can get is like CDs and that's it. Right, right. You would need to find that kind of that kind of like love and respect for the original that kind of got like uh uh Fuli like two extra seasons, mm -hmm. you know. And like that one like I like and even that one only did so well, you know. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a major hit like any other anime out there. No, it's more of a modest hit, really. Right, like a modest hit. Like <laughs> Like, Beck, I think, would be, like, that same work in the same way if you tried to do a continuation. Like, sure, you could get a good crew behind it. Like, you you could get a lot of people passionate behind it. But, like, you would have to know that, like, it would not be a moneymaker. Like, uh, like uh, Welcome to Demon School, Iruma-kun. Mm -hmm. Or, like, my, or like, or, like, any, like, shonen adaption out there. Or, like, any, like, uh, adaption of, like, an isekai or something. Yeah. You know, it just wouldn't be that big moneymaker. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I that—that's why I think an anime like Beck, especially a music anime, just—I don't think we're gonna get like anything like that ever again. Yeah. And you would also need like a passionate fan base because I'm thinking about the uh, the Fruits Basket reboot. I feel like that one only could have existed if it weren't for the fans and also the people behind it. Right. Like, right. You take you don't have either one of those then. You can't have that series, and I don't know if like Beck does have that rabbit fan base as a fruits basket. I, I've I've questioned that too as well. Like like is the fan base actually that hungry for? Would they actually be hungry for more Beck? Like does that exist out there? Yeah, and like it's a tough question to quantify. And like it should, because like I would definitely recommend this to people. Like if anyone out there hasn't seen Beck and I hear about that, I want to say watch it. Please, well, yeah, that's that's it our is final worth word here. Your time, please. That's my final word here. Please watch Beck. It, re it really deserves it. Because it nails just about everything, realistic characters, and also, like, whether you're watching Japanese or in English, I, I would also say watch the dub, because the dub fucking nails it. And, like, this is an early music dub in 2007. Like, this is around the time where, like, some uh, music anime or musical moments in anime weren't really adapted well. Like, not as good as it was in Japanese version C, like, the God Knows scene in Haruhi, for, for an example. But yeah, just go out of your way, sub to Funimation's app, buy the Blu-ray, DVDs, what have you. Go out of your way to watch this. It deserves to be seen. Please pay your respects to Beck, because there may truly never be another anime like it again. And do it as a way to remember Osama Kobayashi and what he's given. Thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Mikey, and you can find me at my social medias at MikeyShioda on Twitter, MikeyShioda.tumblr.com, and MikeyShioda on the gram. Where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at 2Bits on Twitter and WolfishGrin on Tumblr. Follow AnimeBaybay on Twitter. That's anime underscore B-A-Y, B-A-Y. And also follow the show at AnimeBaybay.podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcast. And on the next episode... Summer of Music continues as we uh, take a step from, uh, you know, the rock, rock side of things and uh, get a little bit more, uh, a little smoother, a little quieter as uh, next time talking all about jazz as we'll be covering Shinichiro Watanabe's Kids on the Slope. A, a work of his, I will admit right now, 
completely went over my head when it first came out. Like, completely. Like, I had the same similar experience when I first watched it years ago. Like, I never knew he did something like this. And now, after I have read about it, I cannot believe I actually that actually happened to me. I cannot believe I allowed that to go over my head. Because this is in your wheelhouse, man. Th this is absolutely up my alley, and I can't wait to watch it. And... Summer music continues to be a bit of a summer of firsts, as uh, with this episode, this is the first time we both went into a show completely blind, like none of us have seen it beforehand. And Kids on the Slope will be the first time we cover a show exclusively covering the Japanese version. Long story short, the dub sucks, so we're watching it in Japanese. So yeah, just, just a heads up to you folks. Yeah, so don't expect as much uh, splicey with like some acting in there in the future. This episode. Yeah, we'll 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 do we'll do more than enough to keep you entertained throughout. But yeah, first time doing the Japanese version. How about that? I'm surprised it didn't happen faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll go more into that as to why I made that decision in the next episode. Till then, stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Wear a fucking mask if you're unvaccinated. If you are vaccinated, and if you're not vaccinated, go get fucking vaccinated. Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, stop Asian hate, and this has been... Anime, baby! Yeah.